Hey guys, welcome to Minefield. I'm Joshua Michael. This is my best friend Colin. Bringing you the best in comic books and wrestling. We've got a very special episode for you today. This is one of the uh, first episodes where we actually uh, have been executing everything we really want to do, especially bringing in interviews with uh, writers and uh, comic creators. We actually got uh, Mr. Casey Parsons and Mike Ruth on the podcast today. They uh, were visiting Colorado Springs. I've known uh, Mike Ruth for quite a while by by uh, Facebook, and he posted yesterday like, "Hey, Pike speaks gorgeous." I'm like, "Oh my god, are you here, man? I got to get you a beer. I got you got to be in the podcast." He's like, "Well, I'm doing a signing at this uh, comic book store called the Iron Line, and I'd seen it before, and I'd never stopped in because I usually go to like the same like three places, and uh, I go to this place and was just dumbfounded about how gorgeous it was. Wooden floors." Uh, wooden shelves. All the comic books are bagged and boarded. The the shelves go up way high. I mean, they've got a ladder for some of them, and mm. it 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 had a gravitas that just was like, okay, uh, these guys know what they're doing, and the owners were just absolute sweethearts. And you know, Mike's like, hey, can can we help you? And Mike's just like, yeah, I'm like pointing at me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here to meet this guy. He gave me a big hug. It was it was so good to meet him and Mr. Parsons and. Uh, we talked about wrestling for about 20 minutes, and I was like, hey, we got to do this podcast. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if we do it here. And owners were absolutely, absolutely cool with it and you know, busted out the equipment, and we started rolling. So uh, we are excited to bring them to Minefields. They are actually the variant uh, comic book uh, creators – well, not creators. The variant cover artists. The, the variant cover artists. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited here for Little Bird Number 1, which – but it's just one of those coincidences that I wanted it to be something focused that we focus on today. So that's going to be the last comic we review until we segue into the interview with those guys. But again, uh, guys, uh, if you're in Colorado Springs, the Iron Line in Iron Line is where it's at. You really got to check it out. Absolute great people, great energy, and I can't wait to frequent the place and hopefully become good friends with these guys because they 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 got that they got that energy, you know. Yeah, man, it's honestly it kind of uh, kind of astonishing to hear you say that it's a place that you hadn't been in before. Uh, I just one of those things I love about comic books is finding another cool store. You just drive around and then you see a place and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that place was there. And maybe you can't go right then, but uh, it's in the back of your mind. And one of these days, you've got to hit that place. Mm-hmm. Same thing with game stores. Uh, lots of places like you just never know what kind of material they're they've got and um, yeah I've I've met some really cool people just because of that I'm trying to think I went into uh, All Star Comics in Oklahoma City uh, the other day I'm finally working right now and uh, I had a I had the opportunity to swing through there and um, they had some of the the black they I, they had the Black Order I got to finish that out and um, yeah they had moved. So I hadn't, I didn't know where they were, and I, I know I've mentioned that I've been in there recently, but uh, I don't get to check that place out very often. And like I said, it's say, not by. Sorry, no, it's it's not a, it's not in the sixty uh, third and May area any longer. It's it's significantly farther north up by uh, the North Park Mall. Um, that would have really bummed me out because I really loved stopping to, uh, next door to Sai and getting some good sushi, and then going to All Star. Yeah, that place, Sai. Sai has changed ownership and done all kinds of stuff, but the interior is really pretty still. It's really well done. Uh, if you happen to be in the area and you want some sushi, I'd check it out. The massage place next door is gangster also, and not in the uh, bad way of gangsters. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. 
we've yeah. got great comics for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be going over New Doctor Strange, uh, Fight Club, Marvel Comic Presents. Uh, we're going to touch on Amazing Spider-Man, new issue, uh, Little Bird number one, Ice Cream Man number 11, Spawn number 295. Surprisingly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it really just hit me. Like, this one this one was good. <laughs> you know what? And I want to all... say, say one thing real quick. Uh, Go for it. You, are, is, was that your list, though? That was the list of everything in, 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 minus uh, Little Bird? Yep, minus Little Bird, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I th- Part of the beauty of what we were just talking about, just dropping in on a random store that you haven't been to or someplace that you... You just you meet new people and the opportunity to start talking about things happens because you get into a cycle with people. I think that most of our subscribers and listeners are going to say you guys are pushing way too much Marvel stuff. You never talk about DC. And I know we've said that in the past. I think that's probably true. And I got into a conversation with one of the guys at All Star and he was like, yeah, you know, DC's where it's at right now. They've got the better writers. And I'm going, well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's still the content of the characters that I'm more interested in in, in right now, uh, or generally all of the time. But um, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I think, I think you know, when we get into uh, this coming Wednesday, maybe I'll pick up a couple. Of, I'll, I'll have to get Batman 1000. Is that what it was? It was Detective 1000. I'll check Detective, that out. I, yeah, I didn't feel I didn't feel like uh, reviewing it because everyone's got it. They're, everyone's we, got it. They all know what that's going to be like. But yeah. um, no, you know what? I'm going to give uh, give some uh, DC characters a shot. If you guys are interested in knowing what we think about that, uh, about some DC stuff, let me know which books we should be reading. I'm going to give at least three or so issues a try. Um, hopefully I'm not dropping down in the middle of something major, but, uh, you know, Hey, I do that with like Tony Stark, Iron Man and something else. And then pow, I'm like, okay, I got to go back and get five issues because this was super cool. So here we are. Let's, I'm, uh, what I'm, you I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy John from work, uh, gave us a spin last night was messaged me, let us know what he thought. He really liked the podcast and he's like, yeah, like you had already told me that you guys aren't focusing that much on dc but only because you guys don't know that much about it you know you don't want to get caught you know talking about something that you don't know anything about so you know i told him i, I wanted him to be you know if he wants to be a dc guy they can come in and help us help us out with it but he i was mentioning him and he's like yeah like try to push the dc and i'm like i have absolutely <laughs> i actually already made a list of the 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 dc titles i want to take a peek at because the last time i really looked at dc what they're doing a lot of on the vertigo series they're doing new sandman stuff and it was it, it it just wasn't up to what I wanted it to be, which doesn't mean it was bad. It just wasn't what I wanted it to be. But I, I want to check out Martian Manhunter, Shazam, uh, the Terrifics, Superman, Supergirl, Green Lantern, and maybe Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, sweat my beak in that and let you guys let them know how good the, the issues are. You know, we're going to get dropped into nowhere. But we're not going to pretend that we don't know what we're talking about or that we know what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't want to get into saying something I know uh, when I don't. Yeah, it's just that simple. Yeah, we're, we're just not like that, and that's. But minefields is about you know minefields, and we're approaching it as writers, and it's just one of the reasons I, I think hopefully you guys are listening. But before we get into the comics, I do want to uh, the, the the little bit of wrestling we're going to talk about this week because there's not that much 
other than what happened with Kofi. And I want to talk about All Elite, the new episodes of uh, uh, Being the Elite and Road to uh, Double or Nothing, because I've got some good ideas about what they're doing business-wise that I wanted to run past you guys. But yeah, uh, let's get into it. What do you? Uh, let's uh, let's uh, you kick us off, man. What do you got first, Doctor Strange? Yeah, let's do Doctor Strange. We're up to Doctor Strange twelve here. This was an anomalous issue. It's the beginning of Herald Supreme as the next story uh, arc in the series. It's uh, Barry Kitson and Mark Wade um, finishes Scott Koblish. Um, You know. I'm not going to say this was the world's best artwork. That's for sure. There was a, there's a really cool two, two page splash, uh, depicting loads of villains that, uh, and heroes that Dr. Strange has worked with and combated in the past, depending. Uh, and that was, I hope I just said Dr. Strange. Cause I was looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at the picture and it looks like Tony Stark with, cause he's hammering something out. You know, he's got this new Space Forge, basically, from this previous space timeline where he can forge new magical items and imbue them with power for different reasons. And he does it in this issue. And it's just kind of funny that they have that frame of him looking like Tony Stark. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he encounters a guy from another – he encounters a planet – a guy from another planet that comes to Earth to try to find a way to stop Galactus. And uh, the guy is a total arrogant prick. He's got money, many arms. And he's also been, I'm going to say, imbued again uh, with the sum total mystic energy of every sorcerer on his world. So if you look at what we do, and we're engineers and scientists and doctors, and then you get into super science and stuff, his planet, this alien, is from a world where they're all sorcerers, and that's how they do things. Um the, it's it's got its moments, I'll tell you. I mean, the guy has his own things going on. We see Doctor Strange in his original costume, the uh, the blue with the light blue and the eye of Agamotto and everything. So that's a switch from lately. Um, and then it just has it this nineties so- feel. Everything has a nineties feel. The colors, the washes, the pencils. It all just looks like the time in the nineties when. They were just trying to crank out a product, which I don't think that's what they're doing here. It just has that appeal for some reason. So the quality of the paper makes me feel that way, too. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is a guy, even some of these backgrounds of things, some of the, you know, when you see them manifest the actual powers that characters are doing, the way that was depicted I'm not going to say it was lazy. It's just I feel like they just, we got to crack this out, you know? So it, it's it's not as polished as it has been. Uh, nevertheless, still an entertaining part of the Doctor Strange chronology. How did the story flow? I mean, like, did... Oh, like very if, well. If, some, if someone picked up the, this issue, would they be able to really dive in and enjoy what's going on and not have to worry about that they've missed a million things? Uh, yeah, I think so, because one of the great things about this being, even though this is issue number 12, this is the first of a new story arc. Um, so this is a good jumping off point, especially if you're like, hey, I want to hear a good Galactus story. It's a Galactus story. <clears throat> and what's more, m- through most of the issue, you're getting the internal dialogue or monologue of, uh, uh, of Doctor Strange, and he is kind of 
saying what he's been doing lately, uh, even though he's kind of talking to himself and uh, a little bit of reminiscences. And I think that that's a great question because it exactly happens. So, uh, yeah. Right. And I think I think that's probably why he looks like he, quote unquote, supposed to be Mm. after, you know, going to hell and losing his girlfriend and losing his powers. Maybe this is like the 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 soft reset button. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, That seems like any given Tuesday Mm. for Doctor Strange, all of those things happening to him. Um, But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a it's 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 another issue. Well, as long as you enjoyed it, was it was it worth the uh, was it worth three dollars? Well, for me as a as a Doctor Strange guy, it's totally worth it. You know, I'm just I, Doctor Strange has <clears throat> it's not always around, and uh, only in the last handful of years has I have I been reading consistently great Doctor Strange. Uh, the last days of magic. We have talked about that storyline. Um, you know, I'm just going to say, sometimes you get some outlier like the Damnation storyline, like, whatever, this doesn't doesn't amount to anything. But, um, you know, since this is his book, this is still pretty good stuff for him. Rating? Oh, man. I'm going to give it a three on a five. Three? Three to, on, yeah. a, on a one to five, I'll, I'll throw this one. This one in particular is a three. But that's the thing, you know, you could... Uh, pick up the next two or three and then realize okay yeah this is part of the greater story and uh therein you've you've realized that it might be worth more to you ultimately when it comes to good picking off points that will start up again uh i want to bring up spawn now uh oh, spawn yeah. number 295 uh oh by the way before we actually do that uh uh writer artists Oh yeah, totally. No, I shot it out there. I did. It's uh, Mark Wade and um, Barry Kitson. They put themselves down as the storytellers, and then finishes is Scott Koblish. Colors Brian Raber, and then a letterer VCs Corey Petit. Yeah, sorry if I made you repeat yourself, man. My mind oh, no. was swimming, swimming after oh. that interview with uh, with Littlebird guys, man. That was just. It's a. Uh, I feel another energy, you know. Joshua is super excited, and he feels another energy. I do. Fuel right, with diesel power. There's always diesel power, man. Mm-hmm. That's my theme song. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, kudos to MixMag posting on uh, their Instagram and website the constant videos and photos Dude. of Keith Flint's funeral. Uh, way to celebrate the man's life and... Let it, even the like the pallbearers walk past. You notice the guy that was walking the official uh, uh, photographer or videographer yeah, guy. Sure. Mm-hmm. He had the, he had the ant on 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 his back. Yeah, uh-huh. that, like that. Okay, way to go. Like, all right. So spawn two number uh, two hundred ninety five. Uh, Todd McFarlane script and plot. Jason Sean Alexander is the artist. Ooh, good great artist. Uh, Tom. Orzachowski does the lettering, and Francesco Mattina uh, is the cover artist. This is some great digital art, guys. We got Spawn holding the head of the uh, the clown, and this makes me really oh, happy. Yeah. It makes me really happy because it's one of those things where uh, it accentuates. Remember back in the day when you look at a cover and you know something really monumental happened, and you know that something similar about what's going to happen, they might accentuate it in the cover, is about to happen. And yeah, Spawn's holding the head. So yeah, I better 
finish this comic and he wow. the violator's head better be cut off. Yeah, that is some gorgeous. pinball machine quality art right there. That is gold. Beautiful. You need to write that down. You need to write mm. that down. Pinball machine quality art. Yeah. That's Everything like, about this was man. good. Yeah. Uh, I was I was uh, eating dinner last night and I the, the my waiter happened to see I was reading a Spawn comic and mm. is that a McFarlane? I'm like, yeah, and, and you know, I, I went through this and he he was surprised that I was like, Yeah, Spawn got good again. And he's like, Really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and, and as far as jumping off point, uh it's Simmons. He has revealed himself to the world that he is Al Simmons for the first time ever. Everyone in the world knows that Lieutenant Al Simmons is alive and well and has supernatural powers. And he did that in order to expose the killers of Wanda because a lot of a lot of people don't know Wanda is dead and ended up in hell, actually. And he had to go rescue her, which was a really good story. But we find Spawn crucified to a big giant X a la the cover of Uncanny X-Men. Right. I believe this is one of the... I believe the issue, if you don't mind fact-checking me on this yeah, while I'm looking it. at it, is the first appearance of Jubilee. He's... It's... Uh, I, I believe Barry Windsor Smith did this cover. Okay. And it's got Wolverine crucified to a big giant X on the cover. You know, those those gorgeous yeah, secondary yeah. colored... I know I've got that I'm, issue, too. And I just... Oh, there I'm, it is. Uh... Un, uh, yeah, volume one, number two fifty one. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the first appearance of Jubilee, and well, that's the homage. You you see the he's in the desert. The Violator, well, the clown is standing there after a knockdown drag out. He's got Spawn crucified to this big giant X, and Spawn is quote unquote powerless because he does not have the shadows to retreat. Well, while Violator, who actually cut his own hand off and arm to use his own bones to crucify uh, Simmons to this, he is doing the quintessential villain monologuing. Yeah, he's everyone in hell wants you dead, and now I'm the man. And the, the reason, and he reveals the reason why I'm always the one that comes out to train you guys because I'm the one that actually helped breed the the Hellspawn costumes. And okay, that, that's a nice little reveal. I, I love that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, little bit of good drama and he's licking his fingers he's showing himself off that he can you know be the violator he's got power and cogliosho shows up as a, a, a timid old man with a cane revealing some secrets to a reporter if you guys check into it you'll understand but while the sun is setting and the violator <laughs> sorry dude jubilee 244 issue oh, number sorry. 244 carry on uh, so very okay, close, no. very close. Very close. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so Violator... <laughs> Damn, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Anyway, uh, Violator's monologuing, and Simmons reveals his uh, a new power he has to resurrect all of the people that he has murdered. Oh. And out of as the sun sets, out of the shadows comes the people that he has murdered. And this is like a throwback. All you guys that, you know, miss a lot of the old classic Spawn villains will really love this because the freak shows up uh, as wearing a tutu and red hair <laughs> and as a, as a, a corpse-like skull. And also the curse is there. He comes out of the ground. Um, also Cygor, we're looking at... There's one other guy here. I don't want to miss Cygor. Oh, Overkill, and they just rip the Violator to shreds, and Spawn just, okay, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to cut your goddamn head off. Cuts his head off, puts it on a stick. Sun completely sets. Let's go do what we got to do, guys. And they walk into the, well, what is the opposite of the sunset? That's basically what they do. The and sun, it's the about sunrise. You've never no, seen that the, before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they, they're teasing that it's the, the history of spawn part one in the next issue. So that, that made me happy, but I know you don't like spawn. You've always been ripping on me for like spawn, but uh, I don't know, man. It's not that I, it's not that it's, that it's spawn. It's the same thing as I'm just, there's, there is a particular aspect of nineties era comics that really, it was also extreme and it was so extreme. It was the way it was drawn. It was the way that it was marketed. It was the way that it was pushed on us. And, you know, hey, if if Marvel Comics had been awesome then, we could have gone there and been like, hey, at least I've still got, you know, Spidey. But that was all clones all the time. Or, hey, FF, not so hot back then. Just, you know, and it's mm. just too much X. And that's my big problem with most of that time period is... You know, people jamming the Witchblade up our ass and then Shatterstar coming in. And it's just, you know, Spawn, it's just, it's just this whole business where it's like, it's got an evil clown and there's hell and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, okay, yeah, I know. I feel That's like that actually, was all that was going on then. That was actually a really good impersonation of McFarlane, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I don't know how he acts or or uh, operates. Uh and what's what's another one like Shadowhawk? I remember being like, "Oh my god, it's a number one, and it's got a silver thing on it." Getting suckered into that shit, and then not too much later, I'm going, "This, there's no reason why I should be spending my money on this. It's those hologram covers for the 30th anniversary of Spidey stuff. That's what I need to be thinking about." And Darkhawk, you know, it was just like, yeah, it's just it's it's just that. I drank too much Mountain Dew, Green Day type of <laughs> extreme that 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 I don't like about stuff from that time period. Well, this will this will satisfy a lot of uh, readers that miss miss that sort of thing. <laughs> not 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 all the extremeness, but I'm not going to lie. This was really extreme. But what was actually excellent was uh, Jason Sean Alexander's stylization of this. He has got a JJ a Junior Junior going on. Oh, I, I think that. This, I think he's got a junior junior style going on here. He's his take on the Hellspawn really made me uh, enjoy this to a, a second level. You know what? But not I, not reading it. How many different authors have con- or not authors artists have contributed to that series over all these years? Major, major. I would say probably around five. Uh, obviously, Todd uh, yeah. second, but definitely not a, a, a second. Real close to number one, Greg Capolo. Um, uh, Sazimon or Sazimon or Zowski, he's got a weird last name. Uh, him for sure. Uh, Ben Templesmith, who was doing oh, no way, Hellspawn. Yeah, the the Hellspawn. If you guys have never read the the Hellspawn graphic novel, it's you can probably get it at your library. I got that's how I read it here at okay. Colorado Springs was the the Hellspawn. Bendis even did some issues of the Hellspawn, he even got fired by Todd, huh? No yeah. kidding. Yeah, and and then uh, Mr. Uh, Jason Sean Alexander. I know I'm missing like two other guys, but those off the top of my head, the ones I can I can say. You say but Chris Bacallo? Got... Bacallo? No, no, not not Chris Bacallo. Oh no, 
Who'd you say? It's 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 Sazimon with a Z. It's like I I, I guess or Simon, I guess yeah. It's Simon. Yeah, I can't remember his last name. Uh, but but Temple Smith for sure on on the the actual Hellspawn uh, side series. I got excited a for a second. If Chris Piccolo did some uh, did some Spawn, that would be worth looking at for sure. I think he could do some insane stuff with uh with the, the you know the cloak and all that going everywhere and like doing some cool things with the way the eyes are on the mask and just I think that I think that's a guy that needs to do some Spawn. The way he's, a, oh, that's a great, that's a great point, dude. I'll get a surge energy drink and uh, and sit down and watch some, <laughs> read some Spawn if he's drawing or drawing it. Yeah. Tell us about Marvel Comics Presents number three. Um, it, you know it's it's a die roll every time you pick this up. Uh, I love the cover because it's the the big three of Marvel. Really, it's Spidey, it's Cap, and it's Wolverine, which makes me think of that bitchin' Bendis and Malieve. Uh, Moon Knight from a few oh, years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, hell yeah. Just loved that, especially when he had their personalities in his brain. Uh, the Wolverine story in this got well away from how he's dealing with this character called Truth every, fi- every uh, 10 years. And I would love it if they were paying more attention to, like, styles of the times or something like that with since it's the it's now it's what is it the 60s i can't recall but the girl the little girl who's the the witch has grown up and Uh. she's banging just beautiful just a beautiful girl i love the way she is stylistically i like her style i like the hair It, it just i think that suits the times if this is the 60s just Oh my goodness! Uh, they definitely kind of crossed a line. I with uh, <laughs> with uh, well, we close the, the deal. relationship. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's like I I'm wondering. You know, spoilers abound, folks. Uh, if you don't want to hear this, um, skip forward twenty seconds. But uh, yeah, I think she uh, got the seed of Wolverine and is taking it back to her family so that they can raise a Wolverine kid. That he's not going to know about. Um, yeah. I don't like that at all. I yeah. don't like that at all. I like. I like. Uh, I like Dakin, man. Yeah. Uh, I like, the I like Captain America. Oh yeah, yeah. The Captain America story was a little bit touchy uh, for me because, honestly, I love the art in it. It is a story about Captain America inexplicably. Uh, like crash landing i don't know what the heck happened he just like flies into the outhouse of a uh black family in what is it mississippi i can't recall here yeah mississippi he still, in he's, 1964 he's still, he's still cruising around on his uh motorcycle no you'd have no idea why he's there How, what happened he just like got punched by the hulk out in utah and landed in mississippi that's just boom he just crash lands there and he's healing up a little bit, and um, there's this voters. I'm, how do I qualify this? Uh, the gentleman who's trying to help him doesn't want Captain America to go off on a uh, morality crusade with the local authorities and the voters assembly. I guess the elector election board because his wife wants to go and vote. And she has to take this overly complicated test 
to be able to vote. And um, Cap kind of gets them into some hot water with some dudes who came to mess with them. And uh, their house gets burned down for it. And what does he do? He kind of just hops a bus back to New York at the end. And he can't do anything to help these guys. I mean, I... It, it's a rough issue to try to jam this into whatever, like, six or eight pages. It's a really yeah, hard story. This is this is a difficult premise, and I think that it needs a full issue, but uh, I don't know where this fits into anything that's going on in the regular Captain America continuity right now. That's, um, uh, that's interesting to me, considering that one of my favorite Spider-Man lines is uh, at the end of the Carnage, uh, the original uh-huh. three-issue Carnage series, when he betrays Venom, like, hey, you promised me. And he's like, yeah, but I'm just a man. Like, Captain America knew this, never do this. And he's like, yeah, but Cap's a legend. I'm just a man. Cap would have figured out a way, but I'm just a man. Um, Captain America not doing anything. Is it one of those things where Cap is, he did something by not doing something? I, I mean, really and truly, he bruised up some dudes that came to, that came to mess with this family. And then at the end of the issue, or the end of the story, their house is on fire, and uh, the guy is yelling at him, this is your fault, this is your fault, because you you did what you thought was the right thing by bruising those dudes up, and they came back, and they've burned our, our house down, they've burned down our property, and he's, why didn't Cap stay and fight the fire? Is there any way you can't yeah. you can't stop that fire? It's engulfed the whole place. I get that, but he literally just walks away. He makes a phone call. He calls Tony. Uh, come get me. <laughs> it's either come get me or I'm gonna hop on this bus. I don't know. He helps a little uh, African American child onto the bus, and that's that's. I mean. It's kind. It, it's so difficult to know how to feel about this, uh, being a, a white person. Not, not only that, but even just like even the the, the words you're using, because like remember back in the day when obese was the politically correct term, and now that's like a derogatory term. Oh, how long yeah. until how long until any of the words we're using right now are, are were the old grandpa like grandpa? You can't say that. I'm like, like oh well, dude, I just, know it. I, I don't know how to be PC anymore because I don't know how anybody wants to be characterized. I know we've touched on this a little bit. Uh, when Joshua and I talk to one another on the phone, you know, when we're not recording ourselves, we're not very PC. But we know – I, look, I mean, I don't want to alienate any of our subscribers and listeners. So I'm and, very and careful about even, how I say things. Not even from a business point of view, not just to keep you as a listener, but we just don't want to alienate you. Like – Send us your thoughts. Like, seriously, yeah. like, you, we've got the email, Colin and Josh, at minefieldscomicspodcast.com. If you, like we were talking about earlier about if you want to hear more DC, tell us what you want us to read. We'll, we'll do it. But if there's something that, you know, that troubled you about what we had to say, we'll, we would gladly redact. We would gladly tell you, like, hey, we didn't mean it that way. We, we'll oh, we'll give you the context. Oh, there's an explanation for everything. Totally. No. I, well, I, there, I, I guess the other thing that I concern myself with when we've got an issue about a civil rights situation, and that's the title, it's the, you know, it's the civil rights movement. Uh, You know, we talk, we we constantly mention VC's Joe Caramagna. He's a white guy. Uh, The artist is a, 
and the writer. None of these people are um, people of color. And uh, I'm kind of impressed that they would take this on. And they managed to maintain the complication of the story. It, You know, go back and look at Logan. Were those guys picking on that family that looked after him and uh, Professor X because they were, you know, those people were no. black. Were they being picked on because of that or was it because they wanted their land? You know, I mean, it's... That was a land thing. And yeah. I think what those that, that specifically was was them trying to introduce the idea of the Hulk gang from the old, actual Old Man Logan yeah. storyline uh, of, of trying to control water whites and that sort of thing. I think that's what they were trying to interject was that sort of bully-type uh, mentality that these guys are there because we we control things. But, yeah, they, they, they did a good job with that. But uh, Yeah, for what's real. The, what's the, I felt for those folks, really and truly, it, you know? They, they, and it's one of those things that they always talk about with Wolverine, like, you, you don't want to get involved with me because everyone that gets involved with me dies. Yeah. And th- those people took the risk, and they paid <clears> the price. But at least they went out honorably and still standing up for what they believe in. They were still farmers. They were, they were still hardworking Americans doing what they can. Yeah. Um, what was the third story? Yeah, I'm going to finish up with this one. Uh, it was a Spider-Man story, and uh, it's uh, James Monroe Englehart and uh, Ray Anthony Height, and uh, he also inked it with Nate Lovett. Um, I'll tell you what, this is entertaining because it's, uh, it's wrestling, you know, and it's wrestling yeah. and it's Spidey, and that's two great things. Crusher Hogan making Crusher. a return appearance in comics, Hero Championship Wrestling. Definitely not, <laughs> definitely not AEW, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this has, this is pretty wordy for a wrestling comic, you know, um, and there's a, there's a sideline commentator, money man, oh man, that, that stuff was funny, uh, Crusher is for some reason possessed, and, uh, what was it like, yeah, like, Dr. Druid, who was an Avenger once, is yeah. going around possessing people. Uh, anyway, so uh, Crusher Hogan is possessed, <laughs> and all of his self-conscious self-doubts are manifesting themselves in this match against Spider-Man, which is inexplicable why that's even happening, uh, But because uh, they haven't fought in years. And Crusher Hogan isn't a supervillain. He's the... He is, if you go back and, for on those of you who haven't read Spider-Man your entire life like we have, um, Spider-Man, go back to Spider-Man 2002 with Tobey Maguire. You'll all, you're all well aware of uh, Crusher, or not Crusher, Crusher Hogan was actually played by Macho Man Randy Savage, but it was Bonesaw in that part of the movie, and... Um, I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Obvious, like one of the most quotable characters <laughs> in moviedom, I think. And oh, by uh, the way, huh? by the way, uh, the the girl, the the woman that checks uh, Parker into oh, yeah. the wrestling, that was Octavia Spencer. Yep, yep. She has become pretty big in some ways. I named my guitar after her. I love that woman. No, anyway, continue. Sorry. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. So all of that and uh, 
that's what's going on here is this is a somehow or another rematch between Spider-Man and um, Crusher Hogan, and uh, he's possessed. So everything he got over in his life is coming to the forefront. And Doctor Druid of all, or Doctor not Doctor uh, Doctor Voodoo of all people is appearing to Spider-Man in an effort to counter this spell that Doctor Druid is using on Crusher. It seems convoluted, but it's not when you read it. And um, it's kind of interesting to see these like D-list wizards doing stuff. Um, but uh, you know, Peter being Peter under the mask is uh, doing the best that he can not to get hurt by Crusher and not to hurt Crusher and realizing that in the end, um, all of the things that are wrong with Crusher Hogan are things that we all deal with. You know, you lose money, you have a downturn in your career, you get, you get broke, you know, breakups happen, divorces happen, and, uh, you know, looking at this, thank goodness we don't have wizards working against us, utilizing that stuff to make us hateful. But um, it felt good when Peter, when Peter, Peter was helpful in the end. Uh, what, how did he, how did he pull this off? You know, like he basically, uh, he found real legitimate support help for Crusher Hogan in the end to help get him beyond this situation. And, uh, I just dig that, you know? So was it worth the $4? I assume this issue was $4. Oh, it was four ninety nine. These are four ninety nine. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, unless you're really into this continuing saga of Wolverine and the now grown up and very hot, witch. um, I just don't know how many how many more I'm going to pick up on this. Uh, it's nice to see the contiguity of story coming in in these vignettes, but um, I don't know. Uh, would it be better all of these collected, or would you would you just then get a bunch of random Captain America appearances that go on for six or eight pages? Yeah, this this sounds tough, like something tough that, thing. This tough thing to say. This sounds like something that would be better purchased in a dollar bin in a year. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Not, I think so. not that it's bad. I'm just saying. Oh, it's not bad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to struggle, if you're struggling between, you know, War of the Realms coming up as an added title to everything you're already reading and you're like, oh, right. gosh, do I get this? Or <laughs> do I get this sudden back issue of Trouble number three or something like that? Because you just can't live without it. I don't know. Maybe you don't pay... If, if MCP right now was going for three ninety nine, like everything else, it's you know it's within that world. Yeah, because we're about to get a we're well we're about to get a heavy dose of it as Guardian goodness in the next couple months anyway. Yeah, but um, let's see what's next. What's next? You just want to talk briefly about the Amazing Spider Man number eighteen? Yeah, sure. Why not? Apparently, there's another dot hu. Um, uh, I'm I looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, the last one was great. Last one was great. Oh, that black black uh, uh, black cat one was gr- good. Yeah, I I got into this and I'm like, cool. I can't wait to see what's going on with this now. This is the hunted part two. Um, a lead in with a purple thought box voiceover. 
Wait, uh, we got to talk uh, artists. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it is uh, Nick Spencer, Humberto Ramos, uh, Victor Writing. Olazabra, Penciling. the inker. Inking. And then we even, we see go back. We got uh, Edgar Delgado and Eric Arcaniga. Man, that's Arcaniga. Yeah, I got a problem with. Sorry, we're butchering the names as we usually do. This. No, 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 no. If it's it's Arcaniga. Delgado and El Delgado. Yeah, drop the drop the, the VCs there. and then yeah. VCs Joe Caramagna. <laughs> Car Magnet, goodness gracious, he uh, he got busy this month. Um, yeah, so I'm getting to the point where I think, despite the fact that we have all of these fun animal themed villains in here, some of them more awesome than others, you get to this splash page at the beginning, and I'm like, the puma, I, I the puma is awesome. You go back and look at his original appearances and stuff like that. There's no world where the puma should be getting uh, captured by bad guys and thrown into a, you know, a reality show or however you want to characterize this. It's supposed to be, you know, uh, the most dangerous game. It, <clears throat> so, it, also tied in with, like, hostile. Yeah, I mean, all of these supervillains, if you want to call them that, cause some of them are definitely super and others just aren't, uh, that are animal-themed, have been captured and thrown into Central Park which is where Craven does all his good hunting. And uh, <laughs> then the, 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 the Hydra, the Hydra, the Hydra dome, I guess, the Hydra dome that was a shield that was wrapped around the earth, locking out all the cosmic level characters. Uh, during that Ms. Marvel references. Yeah. The secret empire situation that happened recently. Uh, arcade and, Craven have put this thing over the thing so nobody can get into the dome and help out which also begs the question well can somebody burrow underneath and get in I mean call the mole man you read my you read mm. my mind also you the mole man mind. animal theme why isn't he in there uh you know what for all the promise of the premise leading up to this I was ultra let down when all of these scumbag executives and rich punks and whatever these guys are we come to find out that they won't be doing any actual battle against superheroes or supervillains rather. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. they're going to be operating virtually craven bots. And I just <laughs> no, 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 just took a big <laughs> rubbery one on this. Uh I you know, that's just disappointing. There's no world where Craven the hunter would say even for money uh, these people should be using Craven bots. They should absolutely be made to go in there and fight it out with these guys, put their lives on the line. It's not the most dangerous game if you're using an Xbox to control it. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but I find, I, I see simultaneously what's going on in Tony Stark Iron Man right now, where you've got that virtual world he's created and People are wearing the masks that they run around. They're they're under the control of the controller, and they're actually doing the fighting and the killing, but they don't know it. It's just sad to see, you know, dumpy rich guy, virtual reality, craven bots. I'm like, 
It just, I, think, that, I don't know. It's disappointing. I, I, I think you're let down for a specific reason you don't see yet. Go for I it. think this, this, this uh, entire battle in Central Park is a diversion. And if we're thinking about this in video game sense, back in the 90s, uh, every good video game back in the 90s had a big bad boss. And Craven is, in my mind, obviously not the big bad boss in this one. Huh. Craven's, Craven's clone son is obviously the guy that he's – I think he is trying to breed this guy and put the spider through a gauntlet match – and for him to – for the battle between Craven's quote-unquote son slash clone uh, to really throw down. And this is like – if we're watching a movie, this is like uh, this is like the montage scene that kind of goes on. This particular <laughs> issue is the montage scene that goes on a little bit longer than it should. Yeah. Uh, be- because the, the real point of this was uh, reintroducing the mystery character. Right, at the end right. That, that we've, we looked it up. Like I've seen him a bunch of times. Uh, everyone is terrified of them. Like that, we just can only refer to him as the the centipede bandaged villain. Yeah, that we don't know too much. I know that there's he's he's murdered a few people we've seen in within the last year, but I've never really caught his name. It kind of drove me nuts before we even started the podcast. We went for like ten minutes trying to figure oh. out this guy's name. And obviously, what? Uh, what if it's Kane from the J. Michael Straczynski run from, uh, like, the early 2000s? That was John Romita Jr. art. Uh, I hope that's the right name. Kane that, like, showed up. He wanted to absorb the power of people who were using totemic animal powers. Oh, I remember that. I didn't like that. I don't think that's him. Hmm. I, don't, okay. I, th- I, think th- I think this is a brand new guy. I think these... If we're talking about it from a wrestling sense, when they do the vignettes for like four months teasing someone, yeah. and then they finally sh- – they did that with Mankind for a really long time. Yeah, who's uh, this dude with, they're doing that's yelling into the yeah. mirror? Yeah. Oh, what is that? Yeah. yeah. I, that doesn't make me care. Anyway, carry on. Well, well, that the, the whole point of this was, like I said, I, I think this is a, a distraction to make you think – because if, if Arcade is involved – we all know what happens to Arcade every single time. He gets defeated. He goes crazy. They send him to the, to the lockup to <laughs> yeah. the Insane Asylum. And he shows up later with more money and absconded with more good technology. But this is all about the bandage uh, centipede guy, Mary Jane, Spider-Man, Kane, and most importantly, Kane's clone son. Yeah. I got to say, my favorite part of this was all of the business with Mary Jane and her inner monologue. She's at home. By yourself, she and Peter are going out again. I guess they're living together. I hadn't caught that anywhere else yet. Um, You know, and she's dancing around having a good time. My favorite thing is that she is wearing, in in her memory, she's wearing what I'm going to say is the same dress from Amazing Spider-Man 59. Way, 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 way back. Such a good, such a good homage. You pointed that. You were yeah. so excited about that. On However, Wednesday. she looks like a mad woman in the uh, depiction of her there. <laughs> so if if that's the way my, I I remember me myself in old situations wearing clothes, but I definitely don't remember myself looking like a madman in them. Uh, though there were certain circumstances where I definitely was crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I say, you know, you. So like I said about Doctor Strange, maybe it's not as good as some of the other stuff that's been going on. But, uh, you know, wait to see what the big picture is. It's always a six-part story arc now, you know. That's just 
that's how you sell trade paperbacks. Uh, and what else? Makes me think, this This kind of makes me think of uh, The Freshman. Do you remember that movie with Matthew Broderick way, way, way back? And uh, oh, I, Marlon Brando? There's only, there's only two Matthew Broderick movies I've ever seen voluntarily. Uh, oh, dude, you, you need to watch <laughs> Glory. Come on. You're not watching it for Matthew Broderick. You're watching it for Denzel. Uh, yeah, man, for real. There's some let's, decent stuff out there. Let's let's move on. Progress. Uh, Fight Club. Fight Club. Let's do it. Fight Club Fight. three, number three. Dark Horse Comics. Chuck Palahniuk, writer. Cameron Stewart, artist. Colors designed by colors done by David McCraig, uh, Nate Picos, and for Flambant, covered by David Mack. There's a couple of extra covers, but the David Mack one is my favorite one. Kabuki, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Too true. Uh, you want to do like a? You want to do like a? I say one thing, you say one thing. Yeah, let's just do that. Convoluted. Yeah, I simultaneously think this was the most coherent issue in uh, book three thus uh, far. Uh, agreed, but it's getting really convoluted. It is because I don't think every single panel and every single page contributes to the overall story. It, it doesn't. Oh, there's uh, the uh, special appearance by Jack and KJ, our German, my German shepherds. Uh, oh yeah. Hey, thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, anyway, um, convoluted. Yes, most coherent. Uh, however, I think that Chuck is reaching a little too far with this. Uh, it, I, I think he had a lot of fun breaking every rule he could break uh, when he wrote Fight Club uh, Two. And now it's getting to the point where it's distracting from the story. And, yeah, I can read a comic book that is meant to be one big solid graphic novel, one issue at a time in a month, and still remember I don't have to do that. But I feel like I need a Wikipedia page at the same time. I feel like I'm rereading pages too many times. Go. Yeah. I would really appreciate if this was a mass mass media platform multimedia event book if there was a website that gave us more insight how much content can you jam into what 26 pages or something and then you've got more you know is there a website is there a youtube video is there um i don't know a twitter thing i need to be keeping up with or something like that where it's like it's the whole 360 degree possibility that feels like something that needs to be happening here, except for how many, how much page space is devoted to something, a bunch of stuff that we don't even, can't even wrap our heads around, you know? Yeah, all of a sudden there's a guy kidnapping the kid, the kid's not oh, talking about something, he, he obviously saw something, but I love your idea for the uh, multimedia thing. Uh, people do uh, synthetic... Uh, environments online imagine if they had done the synthetic environment for you to explore the mirror world that these guys are going into while oh, that yeah, guy's got the picture that, frame yeah in, in in the in the picture frame um i, I it, it always it always bothers me and this is just me being old school i don't like i don't like watching cheating it it, it always bothers me i don't I, like I, the idea that that kid got uh got his fiddle faddled you know yeah i don't, I don't think he did i think he, i think he was about to and yeah. then he the, they got dragged into the in, into the frame, but uh, I think the old guy got executed in front of the kid, and the kid all of a sudden has a, like a fourth dimension, fourth eye. Now he's got to deal with from being Tyler's kid at the same time, that's, and yeah. that's what 
that's why what's going on there. And then also, I just I don't like the cheating. I don't like how okay Marla was with like, oh, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting screwed right now. She didn't even tell him to leave the room. Oh yeah, that's dark. That's dark. Yeah, she didn't tell him to leave the room. I like the fact that he made me upset that that happened, which was I think was what she was trying to do. But uh, I did like I did like the you know like uh, daddy's kissing you know mommy's kissing another man what I'm not even there and that was when he switched into Tyler in my opinion and like hey quickly draw a heart on her on her neck and then you know Tyler's the one that Tyler's the one that showed up at the end right yeah yeah absolutely yeah Tyler Tyler showed up not Balthazar or Sebastian what is it, what is it now Running Wolf Running Wolf oh yeah Running Wolf yeah Cornelius could be anything could be anything. Could- is that his commentary on that? Like, what's in a name? You can constantly change yourself. I don't know. I don't know. That's a. I think if there's a, something to take from that, that's low on the list. Definitely uh, low on the list. Yeah. But Project Mayhem obviously is completely. He's trying to. I think he's trying to eclipse Project Mayhem and and build something different. This reminds me of Clive Barker's Weave World, huh. with the, the the entire world within the carpet, and there's a different world within this frame or i don't know why i wanted to call it mirror world i guess uh, i just imagine always a mirror there no that but. makes total sense i dig that 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 idea i'm way more interested in that this than a lot of stuff that's going on here but um it's all got its interesting point the thing that bothers me is that despite the fact that we saw you know you watch fight club you read fight club it it makes sense. Ultimately, right. you watch the movie. Everything makes sense until you start seeing uh, Jack, you know, being dragged by an invisible uh, Tyler on the uh, on the CCTV. Yeah, the security cam footage, and that honestly is the scariest thing. I can I don't know why. You know, you see that always the same jump scares in horror movies these days. But somehow or another, that that particular shot always freaks me out. Um, that is a good point. But they didn't make us wait for the payoff. We're, we're, oh, we're right. Probably, we're like what? It was like ten minutes later, five minutes later. We realize. Yeah. Well, we already knew. We already knew that you know that he was Tyler. But well, totally. The thing that the thing that gets me is this is all plausible. Everything's plausible. And then, yeah, Chuck broke the rules and he rode himself into Fight Club Two. Uh, but I don't remember there being anything like mystical going on. And then we've got no. this, this picture frame thing and it, uh, what, I mean, it just adds an element of like, we watch star Wars and star Wars is space wizardry and it's all that stuff. If in star Trek, you've got, you know, empaths and you've got all these people who do have interesting powers and abilities and stuff like that that are plausible but if somebody suddenly jumped into star trek and was like i'm a jedi knight and blah 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 and there's no scientific reason behind it until you come up with midichlorians then it's like okay well what just happened like you just it's like when people complain about weaponizing starships by weaponizing light speed that's kind of what i'm concerned with when it comes to this fourth dimensional thing going on uh with the snow globe and the the picture frame and all of that stuff like that i'm gonna let him have it ultimately but i do want 
a logical explanation for that in the end. As can, a reader. Can, can we agree that as a writer, Chuck is having as much fun as he possibly can to create new genres, new ideas? It pushes the envelope. As, I'm fine as, with that. As, I want as, it to. As hard as he can. <laughs> when I was, yeah, I agree with that. Because, I mean, like when I was younger, I used to say, if I could get Frank Lloyd Wright, Radiohead, Bjork, um... You know, I could throw Chuck Palahniuk on there. I mean, if I could get all these guys together in the same place at the same time, I'd be standing on the most staggering minds of our time, you know? I mean, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright is gone. But uh, it just, to me, when I was in my 20s, that's the kind of stuff I thought would be just incredible. And, yeah, it would be. And, yeah, he's pushing the envelope. When I was younger, I thought Radiohead was the thing that was the bleeding razor's edge pushing us into new music. And I feel like Chuck can be doing that as a, an author. Uh, well, at least he's working out in, in a um, environment, in a subject matter, in a genre that he can actually have fun and not worry about having to having to be because it's it's not a new Fight Club novel per se. No. In which case, if he'd done that in, like, in, in a novel, there'd probably be, be people up and on. I can't believe he did this. But within the the confines of a comic book, where you immediately the second you pick it up, you know, restrain all disbelief. Uh huh. Whatever's whatever's in there, you, you you want to believe. Yeah, he's having some fun. Why not? Yeah, I hope so. I hope he's having a good time, and I hope he's collecting massive paychecks. I do too, man. Do you know what happened to him, right? No, what happened? Yeah, uh, his that uh, was within the last year. Uh, he his, uh, I guess, financial advisor, uh, the guy oh. that handled all yep. all of the money for the the book publishing uh, for the for his publisher, absconded with millions of dollars, and he's they, the FBI can't find it, and he, they're not getting it back. And people loved Chuck so much that they were offering to refinance their house to help him out yeah um financial advisors everybody um i'm a little concerned i mean my mother uses one my brother does not and he's really savvy and he doesn't like that my mother uses a financial advisor i would recommend get on youtube look up last week tonight the show with john oliver and there will be a there's a section on uh credit reports a section on um, uh, on uh, oh gosh, what are we talking about? Financial advisors. Yeah, absolutely worth the twenty-one, sixteen, or twenty-eight minutes, or however the heck long that those segments are. They're going to be funny. They're going to have a lot of foul language. They're definitely going to make fun of the administration. Go nuts though, but uh, because. That show tackles some issues, and I think that's one we need to be seriously looking at. Financial advisors, uh, good luck, Chuck. I'm going to keep buying your products. I will always buy your products. Just keep Chuck. putting I it out. You. Keep, you know, you're going to have to, you know, take a massive dump down my throat before I'd be like, this is no good anymore, you know. But uh, he might do that for free. You never know how freaky he is. Well, he's from Portland. Uh, you know, <laughs> just be wary, man. I mean, don't jump the shark. That's all I got to say about it, you know? 
What else you got? All right. What, what, what I got? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, I want to launch into the ice cream man. Uh, this was this was probably the third best issue of Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man number eleven, Image Comics, uh, W. Maxwell Prince, uh, writer Martin, pronounced Martin Morazzo, colors by Chris O'Holloran, uh, lettering O'Halloran, by yeah, yeah, good old Neon, cover A by Moraz, uh, Morazzano and O'Holloran. This one, okay, so guys, the, the thing about the Ice Cream Man is it's got an ambiguous moral lesson to it, but it's not the type of ambiguous moral lesson the way that Jigsaw from Saw is going to make you, uh, you know, hurt yourself in order to enjoy your life and, and live life to the fullest or whatever the hell you want to put it just from... It's not torture porn. Forgive me, that, that, that metaphor is not really the best. But it starts out with a gentleman that's watching television, and he's like, hey, I'm just a regular guy. All of a sudden, boom, he's... In the reality show, uh, Bachelor-esque type show, I'm even sad that I even know what that that means. And he's the Bachelor, and he's got to pick between these women. Well, actually, the women are picking between him. And they're all mannequins, and they are completely not having it with his features. They're sending him to get re-featured or de-featured. Runs away, runs away. Ends up in an, in another game. He runs through a door. Ends up in another reality TV show where he's trying to escape, and it's it's basically a uh, hey, guess what? Like the theme of this particular issue was that everyone in your family is going to melt like ice cubes in the sun, and he ends up in, on stage, sure. and it's basically your your own mortician and you have to you have x amount of time to dissect your recently dead loved one and find out why he died or they're gonna murder you and then all of a sudden what? the guy that's on the guy that's on the slab is on the on, you know they do the, the interview things like in the office and stuff and like mm-hmm. yeah they they, they, and they shift to the guy that's on the slab he's like wait a minute i'm dead yeah i'm yeah. dead what's what's going on they, they cut away from him and he's like i can't do this and and like, well, you have to, and he runs away, and he starts talking about, like, I keep running away, I keep running away, like, everything I do in my life, I keep running away, and he ends up uh, eventually in, like, a dungeon where there's a guy missing his arm, and he's kind of dissected himself, and he's like, yeah, welcome to this place, uh, they call it a lot of different places, might even call it the ice cream parlor, and there's a lot of different references to ice cream with this, and and, and the game show host in this always kind of looked like the ice cream man. And as they go through it, he realizes that he's talking about relationships he's had and how everyone always leaves him. Maybe it was me. Maybe this time, like, he's coming to these realizations that maybe it was me that's why I, they left, not because not because of them. And he ends up uh, in a dungeon and, like, oh, yeah, your food for this, uh, like, View-esque television show, these zombie feminists – that are yelling at each other for their political views and did you just call me fat and oh we're hung- we're hungry and they bond over eating this guy and as this is happening he's screaming is anyone watching this i know i'm on television is anyone watching this like turn this off and then if you remember i mentioned that his uncle was the one on the slab and they keep telling him everyone in your life is going to melt away like ice cubes in the sun and there's always some ice cream reference mm-hmm. and you can always tell it's the ice cream because of his yellow eyes and the particular uh, uh, green eyes and particular type jaw structure 
And as he's like, is anyone watching this? Turn off the TV, please. And then it zooms out and there's his family waiting to eat. Like, Hey, where's, where is he? And where's uncle? And they're like, Oh, I, I guess they'll be here soon. And then it pulls out and these camera crews are in the, in, in their kitchen. I'm sorry, in their dining room. Like, all right, we're just going to have to do a wide shot here. And then like the ice cream man is one of the camera guys looks at you and like he looks at you. Oh yeah. He, he looks at you. It like, so it just broke. I'm not talking about breaking fourth wall here. It, it was, it was, it was like when someone, God, it was, it was like, it was creepy. It wasn't in the way like we're like in blazing saddles when they look at you, like, <laughs> like break. Uh, is, yeah, it like, is it like an animal man or what? Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely like animal man. That's a really good way to put it. Uh, yeah. The ice cream man wasn't looking in your direction because that's how the artist did it. He was looking at you and it was like a nightmare. This guy couldn't escape and it just kept growing and just kept growing and kept growing. And like I said, it's, it's these morally ambiguous, I don't know, fables, mm-hmm. night, uh, not fable nightmare. It was a, it was, it was a nightmare and maybe you need to think about something for a second, you know? Yeah. And that's what, I, that's what my, my big takeaway from this issue was maybe I need to think about a few things because it, I was so engrossed in that issue that I didn't, my eyes didn't shift from one panel to the next panel where he's looking at me, where he's looking one way and looking the other. I saw him turn his goddamn head and look at me right in the goddamn eyes. And I was it really like finished hope- art. Yeah, it wasn't like we're like it showed him turn his head. I was yeah. that engrossed. I I saw that that's what they were intending. Okay. And I I think this is one of the the better comics of our day day right now. And uh, it, kick ass guys, keep. I really hope that they run with this because <clears throat> this is this is kind of similar to something I'm writing. Not in not in the sense that I, I, I'm doing anything that similar, but in the sense that it's kind of a serialization where you can get dropped in the middle of something. And there's, there's no recognizable characters other than the ice cream man and his brother from one issue where they did one tiny origin story, but didn't tell you jack shit. Hmm. Each issue is some awful story that has something to tell you. Like the ones I told, remember I, I told you about the ones where the, the heroin addicts and yeah, but that's all done and done with. The next issue is going to be a space issue. Hmm. I'm excited. The uh, trade paperbacks are only like four issues long. Yeah, this was eleven, and but even then, like, why not do four? Just pick them up. I mean, like, you can pick any one of these up, and you could have missed all of them and still gotten the same rush that you got from reading the first issue. You just didn't read the first issue. They're all open ended, is what you're getting at, right? All open-ended, and they're probably not going to revisit any of these characters ever. Okay. And how many people are working on this? How many are like? Go back and tell me. Uh, I can look this up. Um, yeah, pull up the uh, pull up the issue number one um, creative team, and we'll just compare to who is right now. I bet you it's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Marizo, Martin Morazzo, Sorry, Chris O'Halloran. Good old neon. <laughs> yep. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah and, and I wonder how many uh, contributing stories they've got laying around waiting to get done here. 
I, I that, that's my point. I hope they have a hundred. I hope they have a thousand. I just yeah. keep going with it. Like, even if you're only putting one issue out every three months, mm-hmm. uh, just keep doing Ice Cream Man. It, it doesn't matter. You can the, the subject matter changes, so it's going to stay fresh. You've got your style for your artwork locked in, so you can bust it out fast, like the way they do with like, the Walking Dead. Because Adler can do a Walking Dead, but Adler can do a Walking Dead issue in a week. Sure. He's been doing it. He's been doing that. Lo- doing it that long, and not just because it's talking heads, but yeah, that that one that one was really exciting. And there was one thing I just I just realized it's completely off subject. I forgot to read the new issue of IDW's Glow, based on the TV show. I gotta look that up. I love that show. Uh, I I was because you mentioned that earlier that it was, that Spidey was bit wrestling and then oh I forgot to read that one but even then like uh we'll we'll save that nugget for for when we have a light week when there's a light wow. week for a short box it's a number 1 issue oh gosh look at all these variant covers it's it's IDW right yeah it is variant cover it was Sheila um on it that's the wolf girl if you've been watching the series my favorite Variant cover that's got the English girl on it and the one that's um I can't think of all of the characters' names. There are so many characters on the show. You realize that the Asian chick is Knives Chow, right? I totally know. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> they I got love a, knives. they got a comic or they've got some kind of a con variant cover that my website does not have a uh, an image for. Um but, but, by the way guys, if uh you guys are glow fans and like really good comedy uh, Mark Marin has a really kick-ass podcast. He interviewed John Bernthal a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? And he and he did not let this guy get away with anything because Bernthal's talked about it in a bunch of times. Where, yeah, I was kind of a criminal, petty thief or petty criminal type thing. And Bernthal's like, "So were you just a fuck up?" Like, like, like he <laughs> he, he just flat out asked, and he's like, well, "Like, yeah, I was kind of doing some stuff. Like, what sort of stuff? Are you stealing cars?" Like, he would not let him get away with. It. He's no, nah, I never stole a lot of cars, but like, he did give him like. He did like he'd ask him, he'd get a response, but he'd get a non-political response. But he could mm-hmm. tell that that's that's all he was going to get, and he'd bring it back in and then move on. He, he's a great interviewer. He's 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 not dry. He's a, I think he's one of the better comics of our time right now. And guys, if you Man. just check out Marin, he's I, also going to be in the new Joker movie. Oh really? Yep. Hmm. I I dude, I'll tell you what. I mean. I used to see his show Marin advertised and I was like, here's another pissed off, you know, whatever comic that just suddenly, however, got his show. And, and yeah, that's the, that's what he plays. It drove me nuts. What's up? Oh, it froze for a second. Would it, yeah. uh, but that's fine. And it's just one of these things where it's like it's like the '90s, what we were talking about earlier, where everything was extreme. You know, I'm a big Bill Hicks fan, and oh, I, uh, am too. I mean, I remember you know Dennis Leary way back, and then realizing Dennis Leary ripped off everything from Bill Hicks. Piece, piece uh, of shit. Yeah, he's. A, <laughs> I mean, there you go. You like Dennis Leary? You're gonna like Bill Hicks because Bill Hicks piece did it shit. better first. Uh, and uh, it's just. I, you know, it's that type of, that type of comic that like I'm pissed off or I'm beat down or I'm angry. And, uh, I saw it just, ah, 
ad after ad after ad. And the way they were advertising his show, I was just like, man, why would I watch this? This guy clearly hates everybody. That looks like a miserable show. And obviously it's supposed to be funny, but it's not on anymore. And he is over on Glow, and I love him on that show. Because he's the same guy, apparently, but self-deprecating. And uh, he can make fun of himself, and he knows that he's kind of a loser. But he appreciates it when people show him compassion. And it's they never pity him, you know. It's just that... The nuances of his character are really great, and the uh, way he portrays them is top-notch. If you haven't watched Glow, we're two seasons of Glow. It's freaking great. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Glamorous Ladies My- of Wrestling, the original, that was what it was in the 80s. There's a really good Netflix documentary about the original uh, Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling that's totally worth checking out. And Glow, it's just great. While we're on the subject of wrestling, I do want to get into a little bit of wrestling before we get into um, the... Do you have any more comments to talk about? I just got Daredevil, and I really, it's a continuation of the same business that's been going on. Daredevil uh, getting back into the swing of things after he had traumatic injury, and um, he may have screwed up and killed a guy. Uh, or the guy could have had a condition and he died because of it, but everybody's blaming daredevil right now. And there is a great cop. That's not a New Yorker from out of Chicago. That's trying to get, get daredevil. And, uh, he's gotten really close two or three issues in a row. I'd say two issues in a row. They had a really big firefight or fist fight this time. And, uh, finally, uh, the cops stood up for Daredevil and were like, you know, my partner would not be here without that guy. Or my uh, my kid brother was rescued from some thugs by Daredevil. I'm not going to let you take him in like this. You're going to take him in. Right. It's jurisprudence, but, but we're not going to do it the way you want to do it. And, we've got uh, honor. Yeah. You know, the cops are treating him properly. Uh, there's a reveal of what you could kind of say is a new power for Daredevil. That I, really? you know, if you if you guys want to read it, I'd say just go read it and check that out. It's issue number three in the new Daredevil run. And then uh, the Punisher makes an appearance. And I'm going to say nice. it's the real Punisher. It's not Frankencastle. It's not Cosmic Ghost Rider. It's not Deadpool versus the Punisher. The Punisher kills everybody. It's just the Punisher. And thank God for it because... Honestly, there's too much Punisher, like there's too much Deadpool, like there's too much X, all of that stuff. Yeah, because you, you just seriously pissed me off. Because right now Punisher in continuity is in, uh, captured by Baron, Baron Zemo, and how is he there right now? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It's not like these editors ever get together and say, okay, yeah, I'm doing something with Howard the Duck this month. Uh, what are you guys doing? Nothing. Nobody cares about that guy anymore. We don't have the rights or some shit. Okay, cool. That's not a problem. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, man, I'm doing something with Spider-Man. No, no, no. I got Spider-Man. Oh, okay. You know, let's let's play Pinochle over it. They never did that. You've got seven <laughs> books at a time with Spider-Man in it. You've got 15 books at a time with Wolverine. You've got, yeah. you know, they're all over the place. There's 
It's it's like a, it's like when you watch all those Star Trek episodes and then you start going, oh yeah, I want to read these Star Trek novels, and you realize there is more time spent cataloging every minute of each of these characters' days. There's no way they could have survived any of this, let alone much of it. You know, I mean, so many hours of content, so many issues. What are we on? Over 700 issues of Spider-Man now? Is that right? We're on a thousand issues of Detective Comics, and that's not even as many Batman appearances as there are when you've got Batman and you've got Batman Family or Batman Superman or all of those different titles. I doubt even Marvel knows how many times Spider-Man's been in something. I doubt they've had someone taking a good like uh, catalog of things You know what? On. Let's just see. Peter Parker... Talking oh, about the real well, Spider-Man, please stand up. Please but, stand yeah, up. what else have you got, man? Well, uh, one of my buddies uh, from uh, Colorado Springs uh, here, uh, Iron Hills Wrestling, uh, took a couple good pictures of him. Uh, he was recommending to me that, let me pull this up, man. While you're looking that up, I'm going to pull this up right now. And in regards to what he was saying, because there's too much Punisher. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Randy, Randy Chacon. This guy was just a, a great contact. Yeah. Um, great contact. Uh, made the last uh, bar fights. Oh, no, it was, it was not bar fights officially. It was Iron Hills Wrestling was in a bar. All these guys within Denver, Colorado Springs, these guys all play ball, so they all wrestle together. So they're all within, within the same leagues. But uh, he's just a huge comic book nerd, and he recommended me to read this space Punisher comic book. And, uh, I was, I started reading at work and I, it was like all of a sudden, like, you know, just things went off and I couldn't, but it was really good right off the bat. So, Hey, Randy, man, uh, Iron Hills will be there. Minefield will invade all the time. Invade. And we invade. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I am having a hard time coming up with something that's going to say, like, here's, this website has every appearance of Spider-Man, but it doesn't say, uh, <laughs> you know, Spider-Man has appeared in 43,621, you know, places or something like that. But uh, every right. conceivable time that Peter Parker Spider-Man has appeared in an issue it tells you which issues and like you can minimize it. You can expand it. Cause damn, he showed up a lot of times in some stuff. Uh, yeah. You just scroll and scroll and scroll. Oh, All right. So what, well, while we uh, get into this, uh, just want to give some shout outs to my buddies here in Colorado Springs, uh, Iron Hills wrestling, Randy, man, way to be a brother. Uh, Jimbo over in Colorado Springs wrestling, way to be a brother. We got a lot of good attention. Uh, uh, a lot of guys are using our photos, and that just makes me really happy. I just wish I'd remembered to watermark them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, use them up, man. I, they're they're there because we've got the love for wrestling. We want to support any wrestling. We want to support any comics. Everything. We just want you all to have good content. But while we're on the wrestling subject, I want to talk about uh, all elite, and this is important to me because right now. They're about to – they haven't announced where they're going to get a TV deal. Mm -hmm. They've announced that they want to take it on tour. 
They also want to announce that there's probably going to be pay-per-views. Okay, fine. That's great. However, we don't know what they're going to do yet, which is fine. But what they are doing is genius. Now, what I'm going to do is go into the details of Being the Elite uh, episode 144 and Road to Double or Nothing uh, TV episode number nine. Double or Nothing is there. This is the behind the scenes business side of what's going on. There's a lot of Brandy, a lot of Cody. And the guys that are actually their assistants and, and all, not just assistants, but like actual like major players, even sh- uh, show uh, people that are helping design the costumes. Cool. Now, importantly, it starts – I wish they had rearranged it. It should have started out with Eric Bischoff because Eric, they had a lot of big names from back in the day. Eric Bischoff shows up, and he's saying – this is how I wish I would have – how I would have structured it. It would have started out with Bischoff saying – don't get a big head. It's really easy to get a big head right away, which is really ironic from Eric Bischoff saying that because the guy is notorious for being one of the biggest pieces of shit. And uh, business-wise, I'm sure he's a great guy. Uh, my buddy was talking about wanting to be a booker today, and I was like, you don't want to be a booker. Those guys, you don't want to do that. Um, you know, they, it gets shady. Uh, the boys start talking numbers behind the scenes. Uh, people start stabbing each other in the back, and they've all got one person to answer to. But Bischoff... I wish they just started off with him saying that specific line. But they've got Razor Ramon Scott Hall talking about how excited he is about All Elite and what these guys are doing. Um, it's the business side. They show, like I said, the costume making. Uh, then we want to talk about being the Elite number 144. So last week, the Young Bucks showed up at AAA in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They teased it in the last episode. They showed up in Mexico and they beat Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix for the AAA Tag Team Championships. Now, if you guys aren't in the know right now, if you saw the the Big Prince Conference for Double or Nothing, you saw that uh, Pentagon Jr. said Omilo, uh, Phoenix showed up. You know, they got powerbomb. The Bucks got effed up. Oh, well, yeah. they showed they, Mexico. They looked like and, it for re- legit too. Yeah. Like it looked oh, like yeah. his neck was actually like they botched it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was something else. They show up in Mexico and they expected a huge pop, and they did not get a huge pop. Cody did not get a huge pop. They were trying to like Cody was going to go out there, and they they made a big deal about him. Like, yeah, my brothers are here. You know, he has got me. And then like while Cody's going out there making an announcement. He goes out there and he's his knees hurt and he gets his ass kicked and they show the bucks like on their phone doing business and on the background you see the TV monitors that Cody's get his ass kicked and these guys need to go out there and like help him out and it doesn't happen and then the bucks go out and win they didn't get pop they actually got a lot of heat because uh, contrary to popular belief apparently the bucks aren't as over around the world as everyone would hope they would be or would really? expect them to be. There were a lot of people in Mexico like, who the hell are these guys? There weren't as many people as needed to get that sort of young buck pop. And what they did was, in being late 144, was acknowledge that. Wow, all right. Shoot. Which I think is genius. Hey, KJ and Jack. Uh, (laughs) Good dogs, good dogs. Welcome to the program. Yeah. Anyway, uh that is that is something else. They've never imagine if Spider-Man looked at you like, "Hey, my writers and artists, don't blame the artists, but man, they fucked up 
and uh, we got to fix some shit. No, they acknowledge it shoots out within the story. Mm-hmm. And then they started this thing about this thing called the librarian. And shh, like send your videos for being the librarian. Even Blue Pants. Oh, right. Uh, yep. Yeah, even even Blue Pants. Uh, she used to be in NXT. She even did a video for like, you know, show, send us your video. And like they created this thing out of nowhere, like the librarian. What the hell is that? Figure it out. They did this a year ago when they had this shirt called, uh, it was F-T-R-R. And they were always like, hey, you get it? Yeah, we get it. We get it. Like, you guys get it, right? It just said F-T-R-R. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we totally get it. Like, and then, like, wait, what's it mean? But, like, the, the elite knew what it meant. And uh, the, 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 the biggest rumor or the biggest uh, assumption what it meant was fuck the Raw roster. Uh-huh. Or, or, or fuck Roman Reigns. But it probably meant nothing, and they probably just wanted you to think a bunch of things, and they probably hoped you think there was those things in the first place because they kept giving you the wink-wink. Now this librarian thing is going on, and thousands of people sent all these Twitter videos that you can watch on Twitter. And what is a librarian? Blue pants. I love blue pants, Lena. Ooh, you're beautiful. Anyway, um, now it might be a battle royale for who, who might be the librarian. Why not? They're inventing things just left and right and being as creative as they possibly can be. Uh Another thing that happened that was big news was Joy Ryan and all of the main names from Lucha Underground finally got released from their contracts. They were yeah, they could not. Joy Ryan's like been in most of being the elite for about a, almost two years, maybe a year and a half, and they could never really. He was a character in it, but like he could not be announced. If he wanted to be in all elite, he couldn't even talk about it with them because he was still under contract, and there was a big. Uh, litigation and Lucha let him go, which effectively meant was the the non-official official way to say Lucha's done. They're already liquidating like seventy percent off all of their uh, um, merchandise except DVDs on the website, and everyone's pretty sad about it. But at least they they did the right thing. They let him go. No Martes, Ivelisse, all these guys. They're able to go and do what they want to do. Joy Ryan thanked everyone. He thanked Lucha. He even think Lucha, even though they're – anyway, I'm, I'm getting a little verklempt about that because I love yeah, Lucha Underground. And it's it's kind of done. And so that's what's going on. So now that I've – well, they, they showed Hornswoggle. Christopher Daniels is getting mad that he's turning 49. Um, <laughs> they, they There's this total piece of shit that is, I'm better than this guy. I, I, I can never remember his name. Uh they're building some serious heat with this. I mean, like he is sitting at the dinner table with Brandy last episode, uh, talking shit about Cody and she just lets loose. She puts this guy in his place. I loved watching this woman be businesswoman. Like, don't even, what makes you think I'm not going to go upstairs and he's not going to destroy you broken knee or not. And he is talking shit on Jimmy Havoc. I mean, he's just, he's building some excellent heat. (laughs) Now that I've painted this picture, like I said, we saw some we saw some horse swoggle. I just want to talk about the swoggle. And so we've got two sides of the picture here from two two different YouTube shows, each run by the same organization, but by different people within the organization. We've got the business, and we've got the backstage vignettes. And like I said earlier, preface this that they have the rumor that they are going to film the television series like they do being the elite. They are testing the waters. They are figuring it out before it actually happens. So by the time 
that the actual product that the all elite wrestling television show or or pay-per-view happens they have worked all of the kinks out that's Genius. a great thing forethought Genius. they've been in the business long enough not all of them mm. not all of them but but these guys are smart enough to take advice from the right people and they got the right people to get their backing i'm, I'm not just talking about like the people that have the money yeah i'm talking about you got you got bischoff on this you had the balls to put Bishop I and mean, Bishop. They're not. It wasn't even even. I didn't even have the inkling or thinking that Bishop is going to be part of it. If he shows up, great. But that also means that all these guys that are uh, WWE legends aren't under that much of a contract that they can show up on these TV shows. They can show up on these YouTube channels and do whatever the hell they want to do. And I love that business model. Hey, just show up, have some fun. Yeah, you don't not? have to. You don't have to be under contract. You don't have to say that like, if you want to be with us, you got to do a legacy contract. You can't do anything. Um, it was pretty interesting doing... listening to Jericho g- talk about why uh, uh, why he was doing more with New Japan because of his contracts with WWE, and then they were what was it the whole thing in Bahrain or what was it the Saudi Arabia, the kingdom? Sorry. Oh uh, yeah, but but he always got the old man's approval for everything yeah. because he knew. That he had to have the old man's approval, but that's just an old school territory thing uh-huh. because he knew that's how the old man worked. He got a little burned old- out on it after a while, and he was like, "Look, you guys keep asking me to do stuff, and then you never get back to me, and that's rude. You'd be flipping your shit if I were doing that to you." Yeah, yeah, for real. But now they've got this great thing going on, and I love your business model, AEW. I've got your shirt. I will buy all the other shirts. The next one I'm gonna buy is the Jericho Kenny Omega one. Uh, they're they're doing a good job testing the waters. I, I, it, it makes me think of a little kid when they want to try some salsa out and they just put the like the tip like just get it a little, <laughs> little wet and like yeah was was that okay is that is this one too hot like no they're 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 building their business model and word in the street is that the uh, uh, the belts have already been made. Oh, that's rad! Yeah, yeah. do you see that and, website I sent about belts? You could get all these belts made for yourself. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. What to think about uh, that? Before we uh, end up on re- uh, finished wrestling, oh, actually, uh, AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's noted that the okay, so double or nothing sold out in four goddamn minutes. Actually, yep. four minutes and sixteen seconds was when it told me I I couldn't buy tickets anymore, and they were for three, four hundred, eight thousand, whatever. It, it, like the floor seats were ridiculous. You can get them now for forty dollars cheap seats. The Floor seats are a thousand. Mm-hmm. You can just go. You can just go pick now. The bots didn't sell them out, and they're running the risk of the. Okay, so all in sold out. They had a smaller venue, but this one is a much bigger one. And there's there there. I'm not trying to call you on bullshit, guy. A-Dub. No, no, I love you guys. I'm saying that these asshole bot guys bought a shitload of these tickets, and now they can't sell them because they were selling them at such inflated prices. I'm sure it's going to sell out beforehand because the Jericho Cruise sold out like three days beforehand. And there were no bots doing that sort of thing. I'm sure it's going to sell out. I just want everyone to know they're cheap now. They're, yeah. the, they're reasonable prices now. Uh, I, I think it was at StubHub, actually. That's, that's where most of them are. And let's see. I, I think that's, I think that's a, a good wrap on Oh, Kofi. Oh, yeah, totally. I feel bad because I had the show on. Uh, I had SmackDown on Tuesday night, but my uh, current job had me on the phone through the whole thing. I didn't even really get to look at it. 
There is no way, it, like, okay, first off, I want to preface this. I want what is writing itself to work out. I want WrestleMania. I want Kofi to win mm-hmm. the championship belt. And yeah. then I want, I want on Raw the next day, I want for the New Day to win the tag team champ belts. I want them all to have straps the way the Shield did back in the day. And that ain't going to happen. I am so sorry to tell you all this, but they are going to milk this for months. This is too much money. It came up too fast, too easily by accident. And there is no way in hell that Kofi Kingston is going to win at WrestleMania. I want him to win. Oh God. Like that'll be one of the biggest pops ever. If Kofi wins, I want that to win. I want him to smash that vegan belt into a million pieces and for someone to bring him the real damn one. It's going to be made out of pancakes (laughs) or cereal boxes. Why, why can't he win? Look at what happened last year. Seth Rollins won. He had, he had his belt. That was the IC belt. That was the IC belt. This is the championship belt. Nevertheless, he goes out and they immediately create a new storyline with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And, uh, you know, it just went on and on and on and on. But I was really entertained by it. I was entertained too, but the purpose for that was to get McIntyre over because he had a guy that was good on the mic Mm. to help him learn how to be good on the mic because Dolph obviously wanted out. Dolph has been gone for months. And I'm glad he did his job. He'll put uh, Drew over. But this is this is bigger than getting Drew oh, McIntyre totally, over. Totally, yeah. This this is like how pissed were we when Roman didn't win at Mania? Uh, we, did, we didn't care. We didn't care. Yeah, we left. We we, we were we, the ones we that left made... to avoid traffic. Like that's yeah. that's it's the grandest stage of them all, and we did not care about the main event. We stayed to see it start, and then we were like, yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah, five, did it like 38 times or whatever happened. This is too much money. This is way too much money. They are going to milk this for everything it's going to worth, what it's worth. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Well, look at – okay, credulity. That's my beef with anything, really, is credulity. And that's what I'm – talking about with fight club three that's what i'm looking at here if kofi kingston skinny skinny guy man has no pecs i don't think that's what you need to beat anybody up though i mean he's still an amazing performer um if he can beat up sheamus and then cesaro and then god i've forgotten what samoa joe i forgot everybody that was in that gauntlet match it was too many dudes two weeks ago if he can do all of that and then not take Daniel Bryan down. That's writing. That's not credi- that's not credible. You put it's him not- in the ring against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I believe that he could actually defeat Daniel Bryan. And the only thing that's I, stopping I him is do is doing it dirty. You know, I don't think he'd do it dirty because he's just too much of a uh, too much of a babyface these days. You know. Yeah, and, it, it, and it, I love the fact that it's a classic babyface versus heel showdown. Yeah, this is a sh- this is a shootout. Mm-hmm. This is a this is everyone all of a sudden cared about an argument at a bar that was millions of people long, and we're showing up to see this showdown. And uh, God, whoever's whatever Didi you want to believe in, or whatever's listening, 
<laughs> I want Co- I want Kofi to win, but I think if they're gonna Pritchard is controlling things right now. He's done a good job. Everything Ross McDown lately has been money. Has been entertaining. Has been relevant. Has been uh, it made sense. They're not making weird story changes on, on a whim. And I, I want Kofi to win, but if I don't, they they keep doing things the way they're doing, I think they're just gonna have Kofi lose at Mania and then maybe win to mo- on Monday Night Raw. Um, but it's the grandest stage. Give him the stage; he deserves it. You Dude, made him beat Jamaican. Yeah. Let him let him do really and truly. I mean, I don't see why he couldn't win. I don't see why he. Uh, it's a question of how long can he hold on to it. Because the fun part of it that they don't seem to do is that, okay, hey, here, you know, Finn Balor can win. He can win it all. He absolutely can. Demon okay. showing up. Demon oh, showing dude, up. demon. Give me some demon. I mean, Finn Balor can win. How long can he hold on to it? Well, I believe he could completely hold on to it for as long, like legitimately, as long as until the writers say he can't. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Bobby Lashley thing. It's just, you know, yeah, it's the, the belt's been going back and forth for, a, a few, you know, a month or so. And that's not a bad thing. Kofi can win it, but then do, can you look at him matched up against other amazing performers and physical specimens and say, Kofi can hold on to that title? No, let him have it for like three weeks and let him get it taken away from him by somebody who can beat the bejesus out of him. I, I, I would. I, that's a great idea, but if I was booking it, I would, ha- like I said, have the New Day win the belts, Kofi winning the championship, and really put the New Day over again for at least a solid year and a half. Uh, like right. it, 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 it writes itself. I want to see them be just as good as the Shield, but in a different light. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, there needs to be a new Shield. There needs to be a new, tr- a new trio that people can really, really get behind. And this is. This has happened by accident and organically, so this is a cool way to do it. Uh, and they're fun guys. They're fun guys. It's not the they're hounds fun, of justice, yes. you know. Yeah. They're not people coming in with this idea like we were all are, mistreated or something. Yeah, all are welcome with the new day. Yeah, so I think I think you've got a good idea there, and it would be cool. But I just want to see like them be constantly endangered by people. Over and over and over again, like how often, if they had, if these guys all had the belts, that'd be great. And then, uh, ultimately, one of them's got to lose it or one of them's got to get it back and whatever. You just flip-flop it for a while. Keep it entertaining. It'll be fun. And they're going to introduce more guys, you know? There's going to be new dudes from NXT, even more than we already have going on. Ooh, Austin Black, love that guy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've, got, we've uh, listeners, we've got an upcoming podcast with my buddy Sven in Germany in Dusseldorf. This oh, guy yeah. is actually actually a wrestler. He's been uh, trained by Walter himself. Walter, we we're gonna Walter, Walter, Walter. He like yeah, we met him in New Orleans, and him and I had a, a, a impromptu match in his hotel room. And uh, the guy was just an absolute sweetheart. And uh, Sven, if you're listening, we love you. Uh, we're going to go over uh, 16 karat gold, which if you guys don't know what it is, if you guys are wrestling uh, newbies or or uh, whatever, hardcore OGs, whatever whatever the hell you want to call it. If you don't know what 16 karat gold is, it's not your fault. <laughs> but you need to check it out. 
because it, it's going to be big. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna go over six and carat gold very soon in an upcoming podcast. It, it, it was like two weeks ago, but uh, we we talked about it last night. But that's all I got for wrestling, man. You got anything extra? Um, uh, the only other thing I wanted to get at was that uh, we had another subscriber, and it's not a wrestling thing, guys. Uh, we had a subscriber content uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation episode. We did a uh, we did a minefields of the other night. It was yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. Enterprise. Uh, it was a little bit different because Joshua had not seen it before, so he was watching it for the first time. And uh, I talked too much. I honestly should have had it. I know that you, no, you feel no, differently. No, it was perfect. I think it you was, should watch him before. It was before perfect. We do that. Uh, Okay. Before before I post it, I want to put an addendum. I want to record like a twenty minute, maybe fifteen minute addendum. I just want to when I uh, when I was out in LA and I was doing the uh, Star Trek auction. It was the It's a Wrap Star Trek auction. It was the the online and in store and occasional convention appearance uh, uh, following the Christie's auction that took place in two thousand six. we found the box full of all of those belts. If you've watched yesterday's no. Enterprise, <clears throat> you know that it's an alternate reality, and they all have these uh, oh high visibility belts and Sam Brown belts on that have oh man all these like molded resin Starfleet emblems that were all Velcroed to those things. It's just freaking cool. And uh, I found one, and I I wore it one day. We sold a bunch of them. So uh, I wore it one day at one of the Las Vegas conventions. I was like, oh, let's go get my uh, Will Wheaton, my Wesley Crusher game card signed. Go up there, and Will Wheaton's like, are you wearing yesterday's Enterprise? And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, that looks perfect. Where did you get that? And I was like, this is the real thing. It came out of the (laughs) box. I'm doing this. This is who I am. And he was like, oh, wow, wow. I have never, ever seen anyone in a yester- in yesterday's Enterprise costume before, and I was like, "That is astonishing to think that nobody had ever done it." But you know, maybe he wasn't at that particular show or whatever. Nevertheless, it was a cool moment, and he was a total doll. Signed my game card. He has a great signature. About him. Real great dude. Uh, yeah, guys, if you haven't watched that episode, that's one of the top five episodes I'd recommend people watching. It's definitely a top ten best episode of all Star Trek, I think. Uh, yeah. It's really worth we'll, it. We'll, yeah. we'll record an addendum and we'll post it, but the only way you get subscriber content is going to minefieldscomicspodcast.com uh-huh. to get those because we're not releasing those on Apple or Google or any other – or Spotify or SoundCloud. We're on all of those, but we're not putting those ones on there. Yeah. And it, 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 there's an easy player – like – the, the website is specifically made to look beautiful on your smartphone, and the player instantly loads and plays. So, uh, yeah, I want to do the coup de grace. I want to talk about Little Bird, number one, Image oh, Comics. Oh, go for it. Darcy Van Polgeest, writer, artist, Ian Bertram, artist. I'm sorry. I'm getting just, just excited about it. <laughs> Matt Hollingsworth, colors. I got another crazy one here. I'm not. I don't mean to butcher your name, ma'am, or, <laughs> or man, but uh, Aditya Bidikar letters. Oh man, I'm gonna look it up and see if I can do you one better. Maybe that's a game we should be playing. 
I know, right? Ben DDA design. Uh, and that's what keeps coming up. Uh, there's Image Comics have uh, credits for design. I think these guys are like coming up with like the uh, fonts, how everything's arranged on like the uh, non art pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got variant cover by Mike Ruth and Casey Parsons. Hell yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, we've got a extra addendum to this particular podcast where we interview these guys. Uh, probably one of the best comic books we've ever gone into. We, if you've been listening the whole time, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, this starts out uh, the way you would expect some sort of two tribes going to war but you see the aboriginal tribe doing their paint they are talking about the mythical creature or whoever the hell he is the axe that's going to save him and there's a there's the prototypical princess we've got to hide you don't worry i've got this mom's going to take care of you hide under here i'll be back for you in a little bit i promise elders be with you anyway three days later she emerges from her little hidey cave and everything's been, everything's smoldering and everyone is dead. And she picks up one of the enemy dead enemy soldiers helmets and guys, spoilers abound here, but you know that if you're know what we're talking about, because that's what we do. (laughs) Picks up one of the helmets and inside the helmet is a TV broadcast broadcasting to the eyes of whatever soldier would be wearing that helmet of the triumphant mission accomplished speech that the Canadian outliers have been destroyed. The American flag almost is flying in the back, but instead of stars, instead of stars, there's, there's a crucifix there. Well, not crucifix with like Jesus on it, but it's just a cross. Mm -hmm. And basically the Christian church has taken over America and it, I don't know yet because it's just issue one. I don't know if this is science. I don't know if it's magic, but the Christian church, it's that they show off the ideas of what the Vatican would be like if you saw the the church, the the, the Pope going to a room with a bunch of little boys and like there's a big vat of blood. Uh, Think think that. Is it Manhattan Project-ish? Oh God, yes! In fact, okay. I really like—I really like that you said that because the artwork is very similar. Oh, right and on. the artwork is very similar. Where it's—it's it, it's ugly, but it's not ugly in the sense that the artist is a bad artist. He intentionally made it that way to make you on edge that these people are not right. Okay. And well, she takes off the uh, Miss Little Bird. She takes off to look for for the axe. And infiltrates a maximum security stockade. Uh, I'm not. No, can't do the 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, that's basically what she does. But the the mythos is that her tribe was founded by a, a, a anthropomorphic wolf or werewolf, whatever you want to call it. And she uses a wolf to sneak in, steals the arm, the robotic arm of one of the main soldiers. And by the way. It's his last day before retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so, See, da- so he's portrayed by Danny Glover. <laughs> you know what happens on the, the cop on, uh, on Lethal Weapon on his la- day before retirement, right? 
Always uh, pulled into some shit or dies. Yeah, like in like in The Simpsons when uh, McBain is talking to his partner. It's the day before his pension, before he retires, and he like shows McBain the the photo of the boat him and his wife got, and and the boat is named the Live Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, but the it, this was a challenging comic book to read. It was things would happen. You'd go back and okay, what I miss, what I miss, and then you go forward. Okay, that's. I didn't miss anything. I just noticed something that I should notice six panels from now, mm. which is, is genius for me. And this was not a typical 28-page comic book. This was this was dense. Uh, the the colors are a nice pastel, but not too pastel. Yeah. Place gets raided. We see the axe, and he's got this glorious shirt. He's in jail, but he's still got the – Canadian flag in, in an axe type shaped like like his it's the Canadian flag but he's he's so bulky and muscular that it like stretches across his chest to almost resemble an axe head and he's covered in scars burns I mean the, like the, the detail on this was like the type of thing I remember when remember how like the animation of Ren and Stimpy was when oh yeah when it was kind of kind of kind of dull okay they're, they're going as fast as they can but then they zoom in on something and they were just like you hear that like that yeah. horn that horn from a, a ship because it just got real gross and they zoom in yeah you see the stink lines the the scars on this guy and he wants nothing to do with it and they showed uh little bird's mom is still alive you think she's dead and she's locked up in an insane asylum, constantly being tortured by these floating monks that when they open their their uh, their garb, they're actually just heads floating on giant piles of intestines with knives and insect arms coming out to torture her. It was That's wacky. In a, in a room full of blood, obviously some soldiers are coming to stop uh, Little Bird from you – know, getting the axe out but the soldiers that show up they're called the army of 12 all right you got it once you see it you'll understand they all look they all look alike green cloaks uh almost soviet-esque but they got the uh the little white little bit on the on the neck like if you're a catholic priest they got like this perfect red shield on their face and all of them are all their cloaks are stained in blood and the axe just lets it have it. I mean, this was an action scene. This was an action scene. Like you ever read it? Like we were talking about it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about X-Men, like, like you read X-Men like three quarters of it is just like, okay, fighting, fighting, turn the page, yeah. turn the page. No, this one was perfectly timed, perfectly structured action scenes. Like everything stopped you to a halt. There's a couple of pages where you see just bullets being, Bullets are get, infiltrating the pages, and it's not violence for violence' sake. This is just what had to happen. And okay, that happened. Okay, like my heart stopped for those like four pages. They leave completely covered in blood. And guys, I'm not going to give you a spoiler on the ending on this one, but uh, Little Bird uh, is up there with Ice Cream Man. I, I this is up there with Wicked and the Divine. This is up there with. Wow, die. This is up there with with the goodens. And it was an absolute pleasure to speak to the variant cover artists today. 
that was so much fun. And yeah, we got that done, man. That was feel another energy. Feel another energy, man. Yeah, what, what do you think about what, what I told you so far? Did that make you want to read it? Yeah, I, you know, because it sounds like this whole complicated tribal aspect, and I'm wondering about this, what, what is this, like, post, or, or uh, not post, but, uh, like, retro-futuristic yeah, uh, yeah, alternate it, it's reality. Not, it's not post-apocalyptic. It's not like that. But at the same time, though, like, who's the bad guy here? Because both of them had equally good points when you see both sides as they build the story. This was an excellent number one. You could have made me read this, and it could have been an issue 80. I would never have known this was an issue number one. It's got a 9 out of 10 on uh, one of the websites, so that's pretty bitchy, yeah. too. No, I'd, I'd, I'd give this one a solid uh, a solid uh, 5 I'd, uh, out of 5. I, I'd actually give this one a 6-star match. I'd give this watching... Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say this was as good as watching uh, Kodi Ibushi. Ibushi? Or, no, I'd say this was probably as good as... Omega versus Okada one. Okay. Good luck. Not as good as, not as good as three, but definitely six star if it was a wrestling match. Definitely <laughs> worth every, every every penny. Oh man, I just realized what a mess I have, dude. Oh, this is a good ass minefields. Yeah, you feeling that feeling energy? I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling a five a.m. wake up. I'll feel a different energy tomorrow. Uh, you got, you got plenty of time. I mean, I'm going to feel a 25 hour energy tomorrow. That's what it's going to take. It's, it's only 11:30 in okay, OKC, okay, man. You fall asleep fast, man. You haven't been drinking. I fall asleep. I'm not drinking. I quit drinking. Uh, I uh, I fall asleep uh, very quickly when I lay down, but um, I got to get up, and I've got. I'm going to have to put some stuff away. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, tomorrow's a solid burn. It's a solid burn for the next two days. And then uh, I just found out I'm working American Ninja Warrior uh, next week, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, well, I'm going to go back to uh, the comic store tomorrow and because uh, they're going to be there again tomorrow. But tomorrow what I want to do at the Iron Line is take some photos to add because I took a lot of photos of the of us, uh, yeah. me and, and the, uh, the artists. But then I took some good uh, classy photos, some – I'm a photographer photos of the owners with the artists, but I actually, I need, cause full invasion. I need, I didn't get a chance to actually go around the store and I yeah. need to take some pictures and, and uh, really comment on the store to let everyone know that this, this is on the level and just to, you know, add, pull that full completion for what minefield represents. Faux show. I don't know what else to say about that. Sorry. Yeah, get some pictures. Let me know what they have in their Silver Age collection. Always looking I hope at they that got, Silver Age. Yeah, the, like their their Instagram. They've got some gems, man. Like they've got some gems, and uh, these guys know how to play ball. They they're sweethearts. Their energy was definitely okay. This guy might be on the level, but we're gonna test it out. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. I don't appreciate when people are like, "Oh my god, we should be friends right now!" Like, let's be best friends forever. No, 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 no. I asked him a few questions, and obviously, like, hey, we're cool. And worked out. Yeah, it worked out. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. And I'm pooped, man. This has been a kick-ass minefield. <laughs> I am uh, I am also fatigued. <laughs> Keith, Keith, Keith Flint died for our oh, sins. Oh, man. 
I hope he's the last Keith man. I, I, I don't know what you're going through, man, but I hope that you inspired everyone to get some help like we talked last time. Good man, yeah, good boy, Keith Flint. I hope uh, he's starting some fires somewhere. Uh, I hope he is... Oh. Doing it with diesel power. Diesel power. 817-683056872. I don't remember the, the number <laughs> chain in, the, in that song, but it's always just funny, just like... I used to have this roommate, and he was just like, "Yeah, man, you just sometimes you gotta just spit out a bunch of random numbers." <laughs> we're we're getting prodigy tattoos. We're doing that. Oh man, tattoos. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get the ant somewhere. Mm. We'll, we'll just we'll we'll get the ant. Well, even if it's just on our wrist. All right, I'll sign on for that. I'll see what happens. I'll be that guy that gets a tattoo when he's fifty. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, buddy. We gotta wrap it up. Wrap it up. Must and progress. Keep it tight and zip it up and zip it out. Then tie it off. <laughs> All right. Send us off, man. All right. Uh, let's see. Everybody, everybody have a great week. Everybody have a safe week. You know, read like a champion this week. That's what it says over the door to one of my favorite comic book stores. When you go out after you've made your purchases, read like a champion this week. Right, man. I love you with all my heart. Love you too, buddy. Good night, everybody. Talk to you later. Hey, guys. Welcome to Minefield. It's Joshua, Michael, and Colin coming back to you. We actually, this is our first big interview for our podcast. I've got Mr. Casey Parsons and Mr. Mike Ruth sitting next to me. We're here at the Iron Lion comic book shop here in Colorado Springs. Mm. Hi. Nice to meet you, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Hey been a good day i came in a little early we talked wrestling uh so the interview is a little bit short because we talked about wrestling for about an hour and a half <laughs> good you got it no it's it's a it's actually a, a you know chance happening of everything just falling in the right spot yesterday i was at work and i've, I've been friends with mr ruth online for about i want to say eight nine years already yeah at least that yeah yeah, yeah. And we've, we've chatted a few times i found him on instagram loved his art uh his he does epic swamp things <laughs> Epic. Awesome, man. And uh, so he just he posted a picture of Pike's Peak yesterday. I was in at work and I saw he was here and I just messaged him right away and luckily he hit me back and uh, here we are. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. and another good thing was I wanted to do uh, Little Bird for our podcast for this week actually because I was a little late on that one and read it the other day and it blew my mind. I was telling these guys I, I think it's up there with. Uh, how good, you know, when something starts out with a lot of good heat, like uh-huh. man did. Uh, this one was intense, and we'll talk about that um, on the on the you know the short box part of the podcast. But right now, we're going to talk to these nice gentlemen, you guys. Uh, uh, Casey, like, how'd you get started? Oh, in the like with comics yeah, in general, with comics and yeah. Uh, about 2013, a, a good friend of mine who owned a comic store passed away, um, and I with a few friends reopened a comic store um, that my friend had previously owned and just to keep it going. And it kind of got me back into drawing pinups and comics and things. And uh, I started making, I did a little book with a fellow and did fan expo and found out I was doing pretty well selling prints and and making commissions. And it just kind of got that ball rolling. I was trained in fine art. I went to school with Mike actually uh, at Sheridan. So our, our backgrounds go back quite a ways. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've got two canics here, guys. Chris yeah. Jericho would be proud. Knuckleheads, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, how did you get involved with Little Birds? 
uh, kind of a crazy thing. So um, Mike um, sort of got me, like helped me out there. We have an agent, uh, uh, Kirby's Comic Art. You can you can see um, our agent site online there. Um, and she, I guess, arranged this with Iron Lion here, uh, the store to do this this variant cover of, of Little Bird. Um, so I was <laughs> put in touch with the, the agent because of Mike. Mike said, hey, check out this guy's stuff. And they did and liked what they saw. So uh, Worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. How long has this been in works? Uh, since late January, I think. Or yeah, we first, we first heard so, about it in late January. And, uh, on we our had, end, anyhow. We had a nice, healthy amount of space to do the artwork in. So we weren't like in a rush. We weren't having to like you know, worry about like any kind of tight deadline. We, we had a lot of time to think about it. We had time to read. We actually got to read an advanced copy of the book. So we were able to let it digest and kind of like think about what we want to do. We both were just shaken by the book. Like, you know, I remember putting it down after I read it and it just kind of like had to take a deep breath. And like, then I called Casey and was like, have you read this thing yet? Like, we have to draw something for this. What are you going to draw? This is crazy. <laughs> Uh, it was so hard not to say anything about. Yeah, and then we had to keep book. everything under wraps. Or show that, anybody because it was know. so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah, we. I just. We just feel super lucky to be attached to it because the book ended up being, just you know, super super hot bomb in comic, like a super hot like explosion in comics, right? Like people yeah, were going crazy for the book. Patton Op- Patton Oswald tweeted about it the other day, which got a lot of attention on the book, and uh, you know, we're just two kind of you know like no name Canadian uh, artifacts that. Have to do this uh do this cover like we're the only variant covers for this book as far as we know so it's uh it's kind of an amazing thing to be attached to you know we uh i feel really lucky um to be attached to such an uh, what's going to be a very important book i think yes i believe we would think we have the only two variants of the book i think ian bertram did his own variant yeah uh, just a uncolored version of the original cover i think pretty much yeah. eh? so yeah i don't think anybody knew like how big this was going to get no and no. i guess because it's partly a canadian story um the agent founder to prize canadians to, to work <laughs> on <laughs> so yeah no yeah they, they definitely they, they have the canadian subtleties in there and oh yeah my my blood went chill when i saw the american flag with you know the the crucifix. the crucifix on it. I don't have a problem with Christianity, despite my appearance. It's just that I love black craft. Um, just that, that idea that, that religion would over-encapsulate an entire society to where, is it art? Is it, is it magic? Is it science? Uh, that, that was the, the questions that was coming at me. And also the, the fact that I immediately fell in love with this girl with little to no dialogue that mm-hmm. when she first made her appearance, she, she basically just wakes up after being in a shelter and her whole family's all dead her whole culture has been murdered yeah and she's looking for the the axe yeah and the axe is that he lives up to his name uh, how did you feel when you first uh, saw him come out well i'll be honest with you like i had no warning in the book so i literally was turning the page just like you reading it for the first time and i thought when it was all about like free the axe release the axe this is the message that this this young lady's been given as her as her you know her her whole her whole culture's like we have to free the axe and, and free the north and I thought the axe was going to be some kind of magical weapon that she was going to get her hands on, and then she was just going to be able to destroy evil with this weapon. Me too. And that's partially true. Uh, then you find out that the axe is actually like this huge, invincible Canadian Superman who's got an axe, and he's been in this uh, super prison for like years and years and years, decades and decades, and he's really old and scarred up and beat up. And uh, and he's from what I'm getting from the book is he's kind of lost his heart. He's kind of lost his spirit. And this young lady 
defies all odds and rescues him from this maximum security like super prison and uh and then yeah and then the story just goes it just goes to places i was not expecting after that so yeah yeah the the ending was i didn't see that coming and yeah i i don't know i (laughs) as a writer i usually see those sort of things coming and that one i was like whoa whoa whoa, hold on yeah okay oh yeah all right yeah like time to get this on the pool list for sure oh yeah yeah i think be a book that's going to turn heads definitely turn a lot of heads you know what are you hoping to do with it? Are you guys going to keep working with them, or? Oh, I would love to. I don't. I don't know if that's in the works, but yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if that's that's an option. Like uh, variant covers, usually they're just for number ones and stuff like that. But I mean, I certainly would never turn down an opportunity to work with this creator again, or with this team again, or with this store again. Um, you know, a special shout out for Ricky Beans too, because he's he's been amazing, uh, amazing help, and just everyone here has been so nice. They've been treating us like yeah. royalty. Yeah. Uh, we don't get treated like this up in Canada, you know, <laughs> very often. So it's a uh, come down here to be treated so well. It's uh, it's it's just we're, we're both very humbled by it. We both feel very lucky. Gorgeous shop, and they're just taking such good care of us. Spoiling yeah. us rotten. Yeah. Actually, we're going to go home and have a lot of complaints for our our, lo- <laughs> our local comic shops. Step it up be, a notch. They're going to be on notice. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, us- I usually don't like to live, give compliments to because uh, I was a reporter for quite a long time. I usually didn't tell anyone I really liked them. I broke the rules with Deftones. That, that was <laughs> uh, with y'all. I got that feeling I got when I first saw my first Becky Cloonan variant cover. Like oh. I, I, it, it mm. wasn't like this is cool. It was like, okay, what are these gonna, you guys going to do next? What do you guys have planned? Do you guys have anything in the works? There are some things coming. Anything um, you can talk about? Well, right now I'm working on um, some indie projects. So one big one right now I've got uh, with a group of friends. We're working on like a horror anthology magazine. Um, we're working on the third issue now. And the first two were a pretty big hit, at least locally and around the GTA and, and Canada. Um, which is the greater Toronto area. I guess they might not be familiar. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like Grand Theft Auto. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. I'm hoping to have some cover work coming up with the, with the, decent company so yeah there's, we'll some, good, there's some good stuff in things, the works for sure for casey yeah things are starting to happen so you guys yeah. should check out the cauldron that's the indie book the indie magazine that uh he's been working on that they've got uh, great creators on it all doing short stories and it's really really cool stuff yeah uh, magazine magazine off. format kind of pulp magazine harkens back to heavy metal and creepy area that yeah kind of feel that kind of vibe really high quality print job like really beautiful artwork inside great storytelling yeah it's it's a it's it's big names attached to it now too so adam gorham did the second cover i was lucky enough to color that so, yeah i think uh, ken lashley's on deck to do a cover he's on deck uh, um, sean daly did a back cover he's he's kind of picking up too yeah um yeah we've got uh source point press people working on it as well like casey pierce i'm doing a story with her in the third issue which is just going to blow people's minds as well she's an incredible writer she's she's just going full-time writer now and she's turning heads yeah right now on. How do you guys challenge yourselves? I mean, I, I I see that this guy he does his daily sketches every day, just like Delander does. Um, how do you like? Uh, did you do the same process? Is it something that you you pick up when it hits you? Well, Mike's work ethic is unheard of. Uh, <laughs> he's a bit of a you know tireless warrior. Um, I I think I challenge myself in different ways. I've been experimenting with various mediums and, and playing around with that. Um, just, I mean, you, you go onto Instagram or you know look at any any 
everybody's art going on. There's so much of there's so many good artists, and it's just like you, you, oh, he's doing that. How do you do? You know, yeah. how do you do that? How can I do that? And it's almost how can depressing. I compete with this. It is. It's <laughs> yeah. almost depressing to watch our favorite artists online because it just all of those yeah. is like you know. I mean, of, can comparison is the thief of joy, as they say. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> nearly joyless existence because I look online and watch my friends drawing pictures. You know, so yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's the competition is great. It's all friendly. I mean, that's what we love about the comic scene. It's yeah. everyone's really supporting each other. But sometimes you're just like, God, I wish I could draw like that guy. You know? Yeah. It's it's always uh, just pushing that next picture but yeah there's inspiration and and also being uh depressed <laughs> yeah yeah it's a healthy those things it keeps it keeps the the artwork uh alive yeah um henry rollins used to when lane staley died he said that um he was, a lot of people were making testimonials and he said it really it, it drove me nuts every time a new allison chains record came out because yeah. i would look at it and be like damn it i'll never be this good and and I can see what you guys are saying that, but I, yeah, I, I don't feel that from the indie comic scene because, okay, there's a lot of good stuff going on in Marvel. There's some good stuff going on in DC, but yeah, like yeah. the indie comics are where it's at for me. I'm oh not, yeah. And big I'm not time. trying to be hardcore. Oh, I'm, I'm an indie trying, guy yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love what's going on with like Immortal Hulk. I was just talking about that earlier. Cried about it. Um, yeah. You know, there are great things, but, but, and I grew up with the Hulk. That was always my guy, but but indie books, I, I I feel like an indie guy. I love the creator-owned idea. Like that's why you see books like Little Bird now. It's it's a passion project. You know, they had a, a great story to tell. Yeah, he found the artist that worked with him, and and he worked with that artist. He catered his writing. Them talking about Darcy Van Polgeest and yeah. Ian Bertram. So he found Ian and and worked to his style with his writing. So they just made this magical team, and you can tell they've got passion. It's their project, their characters, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, magical, new kind of um, cohesion of two bodies kind of come together. For sure, yeah. a masterpiece. When you guys are making, like, uh, full comics instead of just the variant covers, or even the variant covers, like, how much input do you have as an artist as opposed to, like, having not created it with them? Uh, I find uh, when I'm given the opportunity to work or contact directly with the creators involved with the creating, making the comic book, I always try to get their feedback. Like I did a lot of covers for Aftershock um, last year, uh, 2017, and uh, a bunch of them for Animosity in particular. And for a few of them, I was actually able to contact Marguerite Bennett and just ask her, like, hey, what do you want on this cover? Like, what would you like to see? And, you know, she'd throw out a couple of ideas and I was just like, okay, well, that's what she wants. It's her book. That's what she gets. And I would just draw right. what she says. I'm very much an art robot and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. I don't mind, you know, you put the command in and I just do what you say because that's, that's where my training comes from. And um, so, you know, for me, uh, I love when I can actually work directly with the creator and make sure that I'm kind of trying to capture something in the same voice that they want to have for the book. Uh, I did a couple of variant covers for um, Die last uh, last two months ago, which is the new Kieran Gillen and, uh, and Stephanie Hahn's book. We've reviewed it like numerous oh, times. Oh, yeah. It's a, oh, man. It's a, yeah. It's yeah. so great, and I, I was again, again, I had no idea why I was picked for that gig, but um, I, I got, I got to do these variant covers, and I got to work. I had multiple emails back and forth with Kieran Gillen and Stephanie about what they wanted, and I sent them five or six roughs, and they told me which one they liked, and I felt really lucky to have that interchange with them. That that made a lot, that meant a lot to me because it meant that I was going to do something that that would mean something to them too. Um, a lot of times you see variant covers that have nothing to do with the contents of the book, and I, I always want to kind of you know, aim for the center of the heart of the book and, and, and hit something that's close to it, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Stephanie because she's the artist on Die, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I've been pretty abject, like, to stay away from digital art mm -hmm. for a really long time. 
until I saw Into the Spider-Verse when they just like blew my mind completely. I've, I've oh, mentioned this. Excellent film. In the way they took digital art and you know, spun it around you, made you rethink how to do art. Made you. It made me personally want to leave and just go, you know, straight to my, my drawing board. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about digital art as compared to the artwork that you guys are making by hand? I mean, do you guys pretty still pretty old school about it? Um, I'm I'm super traditional still. Like I, I still do everything by hand. The only thing I will do digitally is coloring if I if I have to. Um, only because it's easier to control how the colors are going to print if you do them digitally. Right. Um, scanning a painting, you know, it might look. I can get it looking good on my screen after scanning it and tweaking it and whatever. But once you send it off to the printer, you know, I don't know how it's going to end up. But with you know, when you're working with a CMYK system for coloring, it's pretty much going to be the same coming out of any printer anywhere right. in the world. So um, so that's that's handy. So I. I, I, I hate coloring as a rule, um, but uh, you know I, I colored this little bird cover digitally. Um, but I did the original by hand, and I, I always like to have an original piece that I can sell afterwards. That's kind of like the secondary income thing about being a, a freelancer. Um, you know, you always want to have that secondary income if you can have it. Uh, to, you know, to you know, just to back up what you've been doing on the pages. Um, so yeah, in terms of digital art, though, I, uh, I I'm amazed at what people are able to do. And I'm seeing, like you mentioned, uh, Andy Belanger earlier. Like he's doing a lot of digital stuff now on iPad, like for 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 heavy metal and for he's using Procreate and he's doing just sensational stuff. You take a, I think if you have a tr- a strong traditional background and then you begin to apply these amazing digital uh, techniques that are available and, and options, you know, if you can find a nice harmony between those two things, you can do some awesome stuff. Like Stephanie Hans does everything digital, except when she's at shows, she paints. And the paintings are like unreal, and they look just like your digital work. So, yeah, especially when you're doing a lot of gouache and a lot of washes, I love how you're, you're, the way you manipulate the ink. Um, I've seen a lot of people type. Like I remember I was watching a video of McFarlane. He's like, you know, I like this one, and I let it sink. I let it sit out there and let evaporate just a little bit. Yeah, I guess what I want. Yeah, it'd be hard to get yeah. away from that, especially if you can't touch it and feel it. How about yourself? I'm I'm kind of the same as Mike. Very traditional. Um, and I love using traditional medium, getting my hands dirty, and I like having that physical piece in my hand Agreed. at the end of the day. Um, I still think there's there's unique quality to the fact that a human hand has touched that piece Agreed. as opposed to a digital field of things. I think digital has its own kind of – there's an extra layer of being removed from the human element uh, that I that – I, I'm not super you know, in favor of. Yeah. Um, so I, I still love traditional art. Um, yeah, not to say that you can't do great right. things with digital. And I oh, have yeah. used digital. And I, the same as Mike, I've done coloring and, and things like lettering, of course. Because who wants to do the old school way of lettering? So tedious. I've seen the little wheels. I've seen the little wheels. And I, I see what you're saying because with yeah. without the hands-on approach, it loses its a certain little bit of specialness. However – with the digital approach, it, there's a different type of specialness. It, but at the same time, though, like, this was original. You know, like yeah. this, is, this is what where it happened. Like if anything happened, big EMP, this is gone. Yes, but yeah, and there's no undo. Yeah, well, that's it. And, that, and that's the funny thing too. When you spend <laughs> a long time working digitally, and this is my experience. When I I was very, I'm very much a luddite, so I was I used my first tablet like in 2010, and they've been around for a decade at that point. I, I'm still coloring stuff with a mouse and. My editor was like, why is it taking you so long to color pages? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going as fast as my mouse will, will draw. And she's like, you color with a mouse? And she was shocked. <laughs> tablet. So I went and got myself a little Wacom tablet, and I, I realized all the wonderful things you could do with it. And I was playing with that for a long time. And then I had a, 
I, I was I started doing comics that way. I started doing some small indie pieces, all digital. I was I was enjoying the freedom of being able to, you know, use a pure black and then be able to like pull white uh, erasing and just erase out of it and get these really fine, incredible details that would be a lot of work to get doing it traditionally. It also felt a little bit like cheating, but at the same time, the results were good and I was happy with them. Um, and then I had a cataclysmic system failure and I lost oh, no. an entire month of work. Oh, no. uh, my backup drive failed as well. There was nothing to be saved. Um, they couldn't even retrieve the data. My computer just had a critical stroke. And at that point, I literally pushed the computer away and I picked up my brush. And it was like that scene in Conan the Barbarian when, you know, when, yeah. when Conan's dad is talking to him and he's a little boy. And he was like, you know, no one in this world can you trust. Not men, not women, not beasts. And he holds up a sword and says, this you can trust. And that was me with the brush. After that, I never looked back and I was just the brush. And it actually changed my style because I just wanted to do something different. And I picked up a brush and started embracing the washes and, and trying to render things like in a watercolor approach but using ink. And I was really happy with the results. And I, I kind of built my whole style on that after that yeah, for the last decade you so. have a unique finesse and a, and a unique uh look and feel to your work oh, because thanks, of man. That. yeah thank yeah. you now uh, guys we don't have that much time because i you know i work a regular job uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave us they, they were so uh, kind of us here to be able to record here uh obviously we're indie guys and indie guys give shout out to the boys who are your boys who who, uh, who are your friends in the comic industry oh, back home um yeah well, I guess I give a shout out to the guys on Cauldron. Really, there's Shane Heron and Sam Noir and Ricky Lima. Uh, there's Aaron Burr and uh, you know, yeah. so many whole crew of Toronto guys yeah. and Ontario guys putting together this project. And uh, people from the states too. Um, I mean, for me, the shout out I'd want to give out is to Matt Nixon, who's a guy I've been working for on Dodge for the last uh, last year or so. He hired me back in January. Um, two Januarys ago, to uh, draw his book Dodge, which is a prequel to um, to Retcon, which was his series at Image uh, in 2017, which was an amazing series where he introduced a lot of ideas. And one of the characters in that series was called Chris the Animal Dodge. He's basically a, a, G, a, a commando, uh, special forces kind of commando, who's also a werebear. And uh, nice. the, the character the character really grabbed it, like it really grabbed a lot of people. And so he decided the character was strong enough that he wanted to do a whole series based on Dodge. So he he was following my career for a while apparently, and thought that I'd be the good. He saw a lot of my animal based covers for Animosity, and thought that I'd be a good fit because Dodge is essentially like a he pitched it like it's basically Jason Bourne except Jason Bourne's a werebear, and all the bad guys are Russian werewolves. And I basically just want to say nice. the words werebear with M. 60 out loud because that's and the whole the whole, uh, the whole thing has a black sabbath uh do soundtrack so it's um I, i'm i'm super stoked i think everyone's gonna love it i've just discovered though that i'm not super fast at doing comics and uh it's taken me a long time and matt's been a super patient guy and uh the, the work's looking good it's just not coming out real fast <laughs> but i think people are gonna like it when they see it for sure so matt nixon's my dude in uh big daddy wolverine on uh, on instagram and uh, he's he's an, he's an awesome dude Mike's too hard on himself, but that's that's just the nature of the true artist to <laughs> beat themselves up. That's my factory setting. <laughs> thing to have, man. I've met a couple of people I wouldn't want to mention that were rude. We, we went to Denver Comic Con that weren't exactly uh, sweethearts to us. Uh, so this this sort of uh, interaction uh, it's it, too bad. It, no, it, it's whatever, man. That's what we're talking to you guys. Well, I, I get you, man. I think sometimes you got to be a little fair, a little bit. Um, I don't know. 
I think I think I think I think at a at a Comic Con you can you can catch a guy at a bad time. Yeah, I mean I saw I saw Jr. Jr. just tear three guys apart once because he was off the clock. He was sitting with his wife, and they came up to ask for an autograph, and he just lost his mind. Like I'm off the clock. Like he lost (laughs) it on them, and and they kind of deserved it. But I thought about it afterwards. I'm like, you know what? They just caught him at a bad day. Everyone has one of those. You know, probably sweetheart most of the time. Oh yeah, yeah. My uh, uh, an old friend of mine, or uh, someone I used to know, was the was on a cruise and texted me and called me and called me and I missed the call, missed the call, and finally answered and hey, I think uh, this is Kevin Owens, and I was like, nah, and she, she snapped a picture right quick just because she was excited because she knows that Kevin Owens is, is my boy in yep. in in WWE. He was uh, the second I laid eyes on him. Oh yeah, uh, like. I, He's that's my pony. He's fantastic. And uh, she snapped a picture. He was sitting next to his daughter. Ah. And and I was all excited. Even even I know better not to mark out. You know, with their family, stay away. And even even I got excited. And I was a little embarrassed. And I tweeted him real quick. Hey, uh, uh, the person that just snapped a photo of you. Why don't you go full heel on him? And he's, he tweeted me back. <laughs> oh, that's went, amazing. Went full heel on me taking a picture with my daughter without asking. And I was getting <laughs> hundreds of, like, kill yourself messages on, on no Twitter. No way. It was awesome. Wow. Oh, I got so much heat. I mean, like, getting heat is like, okay, fine, you know. But at the same time, like, wow, you want me to kill myself for that? Like, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but uh, – uh, before we cut out, guys, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really want to do a shout out to the uh, Iron Lion. Like, uh, oh man, absolutely! I uh, I can say I've never sat foot in in a, in a in a finer comic shop in my life, and I've spent a lot of time in comic shops. This I'm place very is uh, you this get place the is like, You got to you got to come check out this store. Just yeah, they the haven't decor. been around very long, but you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna really think about comic shops after you come here. It's uh, you won't believe this place, uh, and you won't believe how kind everyone here is, and how helpful everyone in here is. It's uh, yeah, we feel real lucky to be here today. Anything you, good about a store? This this store has for yeah. sure. The staff, oh, yeah. the product, the the, the cleanliness. I All mean, our Canadian shops back home shop. are on notice now. They, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So guys, uh, come to the Iron Lion. Let them know that you found out about them through Minefields, and they'll maybe let me come back. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, record here. So, like I, I can't remember a time anyone brought anyone here in Colorado Springs to a local comic shop and took the chance on good-hearted guys, phenomenal artists, and you know, like pushing you guys. I mean, you're getting this is your push. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is this is your push. We and, owe it all to Ricky uh, Beans. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we might not go home. <laughs> yeah, we might just never go home. Yeah, the, the, we've been seduced by the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> I think our wives have been seduced by mountain men. They have not returned in hours, so I'm not sure. Thanks to Ricky and and Shelby and and the whole crew Andrew and Justin and everyone and Dominic and everyone who's just treated us so nice. uh, This is a wicked shop. Come check it out for sure. All right, guys. uh, We're going to wrap up here for Minefields, and we're going to make sure that these guys get a push. So anytime we see these guys up and coming, we'll make sure that everyone knows that their books are about to come out. Cheers, brother. What was that? Yeah. Just saying, like Instagram, KCR seventy seven. Yeah, please. I'm on Kuth Ruth on all on, on Twitter and, and uh, on Instagram. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. You can, thanks you can a lot, me. everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Thanks. It was a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure, Mine guys. Feels yeah. absolutely- hey, say it again, dude. Because uh, every time I try to make any noise, there's like a sound discrepancy. So I just shut up. I was like, oh man, I'm not giggling. I'm not doing anything. So hit me again with that.
away. Minefields out. <laughs>